Ahoy there, land lovers! It's me, Kevin Smith. Jason Hughes. Have you ever wanted to get lost on the high seas with Jay and Silent Bob? Well, you're going to have your chance in the year 2024. Join us for Jay and Silent Bob's Cruise Askew. Live podcasts every night. We got a movies on board. There's a View Askew Museum. What else? Music, dancing, hooting, hollering. What are you waiting for, man? JayandSilentBobCruiseAskew.com. We will protect you from sharks. Oh, oh my lord, it's that time again, man. Welcome, kids, to another Fat Man Beyond. I'm Kevin Smith. I am Mark Bernard. Hey. Deuces. What's up? Test drive in the new background. Mm, I like it. I like it. Is that like a is that a like a projector screen? Is that a scrim? Is that a wallpaper? That's real life, kid. <laughs> not all of us have the fancy that you got. We're like, look, I'm in one of the greatest movies ever made. Where do I want to be today? I'm in a fucking Kevin Smith movie, as per usual. But you know what? <laughs> no complaints. Uh, how's everybody doing out there, kids? Welcome back to the to the conversation that never stops, man. Me and Mark Bernardin. Welcome, my friend, to the show that never ends. That's right. And Banff Man. He's not coming. <laughs> um, come uh, together like it was fucking Thanksgiving. We gather together. <laughs> Ask the Lord's blessing, man. Fucking over the river and through the woods. How was your Thanksgiving? Did you do that? Uh, I did not go over any rivers or through any woods. Uh, I did have turkey and stuffing and uh, macaroni yeah, turkey? and cheese. What was that turkey. like? Oh man, it is the best bland bird you've ever had. Like my wife does a good turkey, but yep. it's still at the end of the day fucking turkey, um, which means it needs all the help it can get. A lot of salt, a lot of salt, a lot of pepper. She stuffs it with ice and butter. Turkey, apparently, that's what my. I mean, I salt going over. I'm holding this in this mimed salt shaker instead of doing it this way. I got it upside down, and I'm just going like this. And it seems like a particularly violent way to jerk off a fucking salt shaker. He's like, <laughs> 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 and then, I, you know, I, I, I fucking, of course, don't need to remind the audience that I'm vegan, uh, <laughs> not because of my politics or because I'm woke, because I almost fucking died many years ago and shit. So I went vegan and it's helped. But um since i'm safely away from bird eating mm. you know i if i were ever to campaign for president one of the platforms i would stand on is this you can eat turkey every thanksgiving but you got to jerk off that bird before you eat it that's <laughs> that's it the one trade-off like fucking if you're gonna kill this thing take its life fucking eat it cook it presumably you gotta fucking you're gonna take its one and only life, you fucking jerk. We're we call it the Zuckerberg, right? Remember that period where Zuckerberg is like, I'm only eating shit I kill. And then he was like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And then he <laughs> buying his food from the grocery store. Same thing here. The idea is like you gotta fucking suck that bird off, man. Succulent. You gotta find that gobbler's knob and go to town. 
That's right. And fucking it's I guess that works under the presumption that all turkeys are male. No. It's female turkeys as well. Man, you go out that cloaca, whatever the fuck. Like <laughs> you're that's it. That's the price you pay for you <laughs> on Thanksgiving. And we see how many people fucking, you know, I wouldn't say go vegan, but probably eat a hamburger instead. <laughs> I don't want to fucking jerk off or suck off no fucking turkey. <laughs> but I will milk a cow because that, that gets me off. That's another thing. Now that we're on the subject, so if you want my milk, you know, you can squeeze my udders, but how about you fucking give this a squeeze, man? Just masturbating the animal kingdom with Kevin Mark. Absolutely. Just Mutual of Omaha presents. You know what our theme song is? Feed the world. We still do the Christmas party. <laughs> we got it all right there. Is there an insurance company that will subsidize this nature show? <laughs> I mean, we don't even need an insurance government. Let's just do it on YouTube. See what fucking happens. Um, yeah, that's we got what happened to this show. Remember one day we just started doing it on YouTube, and now we're trapped. <laughs> we're like fucking, you know, General Zod and fucking not. <laughs> and what was her name? The, the lady? Ursa. Uh, Ursa. That's right. Well done. Mm, it's still in there. Trapped. Still trapped on YouTube and shit. The phantom zone of YouTube. Um, stuck in the algorithm. I've seen some cats uh, abandoning ship on YouTube. Um, really? Yeah, who built like huge audiences and worked with the YouTube economy for a while, for example. I think I saw Rooster Teeth is fucking pulling their shit, going to their own website where they're like, you know, fuck it, we'll put it beyond a paywall and come join. Um, I, I've, I've seen a few cases in YouTube where that seems to be out. I'm not saying it's a mass exodus, but, you know. I mean, it kids are, are having different ideas. We're old, rem- men. We're old men. We kids ideas. It reminds me of a conversation that I had with um, Ed Brubaker, like years ago, where he, he was he had just launched I, I want to say it was criminal maybe at, at Image. And he was like, yeah, man, the, the key is you go to Marvel, you work for like five or six years, you build an audience, and then you take that audience over to Image where you get to keep all the money and all the revenue and everything. You don't have to share it with anybody but your creative team and a little bit of image. And uh, and that feels like the same thing. Like, go to YouTube, build an audience, make it huge, and then take that audience back with you um, to the place where you get to be the person who can capitalize and control and maximize um, ways to exploit that audience. That sounds worse than it actually is, but still. Um. Before we go a fucking step further, yes, how many we are what it's here, we're out here in California, kids. But mm. some of you are watching from back east, some of you are even watching from overseas, the foreign land you put out a plate. Um, <laughs> we uh are here in Los Angeles and shit, and it's uh, are we Tuesday? Yes, we're Tuesday, Tuesday the 28th, Wednesday the 29th. I believe somebody has a birthday. Is that correct? That it is indeed my birthday, my friend. So right now, back east, it is it's seven thirty one here, so it's ten thirty one back east. Yeah. So in an hour and a half, which this show is always like nine hours, so <laughs> we will hit the East Coast birthday, which you're an East Coaster, so that fucking counts. It all comes together. Yeah, you, every East Coaster who transplants out to the West should honor their time zone. 
their birthday begins whenever it began, the day began in the place of your birth. That's my other platform for running for political office. I'm hitting strong issues. Well, the first one I talked about, suck off a turkey if you're going to kill it. <laughs> How do you feel about trade negotiations? Let's talk about birthdays. Yeah. <laughs> trade negotiations, you trade a turkey's life for it blowing its load in your mouth. That's that's a fair trade. That's what I call it. Nuclear proliferation? Nope. Let's talk about turkeyches. Like, oh, I'll talk about NATO, but it's the National Association of Theater Owners. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but I own a movie theater. It's my castle. <laughs> like, running for president? And I was like, yes. And for a novel idea that nobody's ever tried, I figured, like, maybe I'll try to sell things at the same time. <laughs> uh, but yes, in, in four and a half hours, uh, West Coast, in what? I don't fucking know how numbers work well, anymore. Well, seven thirty now, so it would be four and a half hours on the on the to the Los Angeles birthday. But right, ninety minutes, Mark. You will officially be how old? Fifty-two years old. The what? The what? I'm already that age in the UK. That's true. It's already my birthday. Thank God you weren't born there. Otherwise, we'd have to honor that. You'd already be the old man. I know. Somewhere Ryan Seacrest is hopping time zones so he can drop that ball of my birthday. Like, it's in Australia, you guys! I it's you happening! how he Dorian Gray's his shit by, like, jumping times, and that's how he stays young looking. He just up. steals birthdays. Oh, that's a fucking, that's a, <laughs> what do you call Charlie Booker, man? That's a fucking black mirror waiting to happen right there. It is indeed. Don't give that shit away. Um, Alright, mm-hmm. so you're 52 years young. Mm-hmm. What, my, uh, my back's gone out. that's right we were supposed to be doing this show live in the scum and villainy cantina kids but uh mark had some back issues what happened there uh apparently not very much because that's the way a back works when you get to be 51 years old um it was just like one day it didn't feel right and then the next day it felt less right and then like thanksgiving day was on my feet for like six hours cooking and then friday i couldn't walk and vast amounts of pain shooting up and down my spine and so hobbled my ass into the ER and they said, yeah, you probably just tore a, a slight tear in a muscle in your back that's been exacerbated over time. And, uh, and here you are, have some painkillers, have some muscle relaxers, take some of these lidocaine patches, which I've got up and down my back like an armadillo. Um, my mother wears lidocaine patches. Yeah, she does. Your mom knows what's <laughs> up. <laughs> um, she does. I remember uh, back when I'm going to go see her. Her birthday's coming up. She turned 78 December 11th. But when I was back there last time, she was like, can you grab my lidocaine patches? My brother, too, was like, you got to make sure she puts on her lidocaine patch. So I learned that word back then and stuff. Um, but it wasn't It wasn't like in fucking Caddyshack where she's like, will you loof up my stretch mark? She was just like, no. <laughs> make sure I get it. She's like, I could put it on and shit. Um, so they gave you the lidocaine. That's an old, I associate it with old people because of my mom, but I'm sure it's just good for back pain or whatever the fuck. Right? I think it's good for muscle pain. Is that um, what it is? Yeah. Um, joint pain, muscle pain. But yeah, I, we're part of the cane gang, baby. The lidocaine gang, me and your mom's cane rolling gang. heavy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, it works on muscles. What if you wrap one around your dick? Your, your dick's not a muscle. The way uh, I feel like it'd get numb and hot. 
Sounds like a fucking party. That sounds like a Tuesday <laughs> night. Get it not threaten me with a good time, son. Yeah, get it numb and hot and then jerk off. Holy shit. It'll be the stranger part two, right? <laughs> Is it hit it with a hammer? Go to town. People are like, oh, you're really not using the lidocaine pads the way you're supposed to. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I put them on the inside of my hands. See? Swing better. <laughs> um so what is uh what's the latest on the back did it return to normal or uh, it's not normal i'm at about 60 percent now like i can i can stand i can walk um being standing upright is good sitting down is good it's the rise between the sitting and standing as the pain happens um, and it's less than it's been. I'm hoping that by Thursday or Friday, I'm back to like 80 or 90%. As good as I'm going to get is 52. Like, who are we kidding? Like, nobody's going to like put me in coach. <laughs> no, son, you're not going in that game. Never again. Um, well, kids, don't let this spook you on aging. Just because <laughs> it's great. Happens to be on the verge of 52 and he threw his back out and they gave him old lady pads. That's not a thing to be afraid of necessarily. My wife may have shattered her hip <laughs> three weeks ago at age 52. Nothing to be afraid of, I'm sure. For most people, it's great. Did you get your shingles vaccine? And <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are getting old. I've been really thinking about it lately, man, in terms of like, I, I the, the I'll be honest. The I've had an existential, small existential crisis of sorts with uh, hey you with uh, the col collapse of the Marvels. Mm. Oof! First, let me introduce you to Jesus. Yeah, that is a giant lapdog. Look at this. She's such a lapdog. Look at this. This is Birdie. Hi, Birdie. Birdie is over a year old, and yet she hasn't really grown. We're pretty sure she's a run. Her mom is gigantic. I, I don't want to offend her mother. She's laying on the rug over there. But <laughs> her mom is like three times the size of this little dog. Um, and she's not like a little dog. She's pretty, you know, she's a German nope. six. Say goodbye, Birdie. Why am I here? <laughs> hey man, schools of thought on looking into their eyes. Trinity, look at her. She's like, "What? What was that?" She got a taste of the fucking spotlight. Now it's over. Um, she. Uh, I mean, look, nothing will ever replace the magic that was Shecky. Mm -hmm. Rest in power, but. This these these two German shepherds, particularly this little one, have been like absolutely fucking delightful. <laughs> um, now she's super curious about why'd you pick me up? <laughs> what are we doing now? Yeah, what's that all about? Um, in any event, birthday boy with a bad back. Brother, brother, you were saying the Marvels has got you introspective about right. You're right, but but then I got involved with the little dog and I forgot all that shit. Man. See, fucking animals are important. In our lives, man. They may, especially pets. They make you fucking forget about shit. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I started thinking like, oh, maybe this is the end. Like, you know, I've enjoyed the culture shift of the last 10, 15 years toward, well, shit, of the last 30 years 
the culture shifted toward pop culture and then for the last 10, 15 years shifted very specifically toward an area of pop culture uh, that I was well-versed in for years, which would be comic book culture. Mm. And, you know, it's certainly not dead. Fucking James Gunn is making a Superman flick and reopening the DC universe. And, um, you know, it sounds like the fucking X-Men are coming and Fantastic Four probably going to be, we're starting to hear casting rumors left and right. So these movies are not dead. It's not the end of the comic book movie, um, you know, as lot of folks uh and even us after we saw marvels uh the marvels and and talked about that article and variety and stuff you know let's be honest it may slow down it may never duplicate they may never be able to duplicate the magic of like 10 years ago but there's always going to be fucking comic book movies but that being said it just felt like there's starting to be a shift in the in the culture um again and that that area that I was so well versed in is now like they're moving away from that and stuff. Um, and I was like, oh shit, maybe that's the only reason that I've been around as long as I have. Like maybe my real career ended a long time ago, but I've kept myself as part of the conversation, even though I never made a comic book movie, but just being the person about like, hey man, I've been talking about this shit since fucking Mallrats. And if the culture shifts completely away from comic book movies and stuff, and let's say it shifts toward politics, seems to be a very dominant conversation <laughs> right now um, in a fairly divided nation. I'm ill-prepared for that conversation and, and never will be prepared. Um, it's just not my passion, right? And it's not like, oh, I can talk about this all day because I read these stories when I was a kid and like it, it's just if the culture shifts in that direction which it feels like it really fucking is if it's not already there i you know that's that's me out of the conversation and i started going like well that's isn't that the way of things you just age out and maybe you know i've had an enjoyable fucking 30 year ride and and you know maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's you know, all I should be happy for that and fucking gracefully uh, let go of, um, you know, being a chatty fucker. I don't, I don't know how else to put it. it. It just felt like there was a moment or two over the last few weeks where I was like, uh, maybe I've outlived my usefulness. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of folks online who'd be like, yes, you know, fucking w after the first one, you prick. But that was the existential crisis I was kind of, and, and not even a crisis where I was like, what will I fucking do? Um, but I just had a lot of time on my hands, like uh, taking care of hippie upstairs. <laughs> um, and, and that's crawled into my head once or twice where I'm like, Maybe your time is over and everything has its time and you had a fucking great time, but maybe it's time for you to like step back from conversation anyway. You know, I don't know. Um, well, I'll, I'll say two things. Yes. I'll say the first thing is that politics tends to ebb and flow. Um, as we're approaching an election year, it's always on people's minds more than it's not. 
the last six years have been a specifically awful kind of place in the political arena, as divisive, to your point, as it's ever been. Um, but I think that that is on some people's minds more than others. Mm. On some people, they don't care at all. Some people, that's all they care about. I think that the numbers are skewed a bit because we always seem to be at the precipice of authoritarianism these days. Um, so I don't know if it's taking the entire oxygen out of the room and shifting it to politics as much as like, oh, well, I'm giving a little bit more bandwidth to it, but I still, it is not everything I care about. It's not all that I care about. I think that's, that might be true. The other thing is that I think Disney has had a bad few years. Mm. I think Disney, you know, I was reading some, some box office stuff and they, and they mentioned that like, since the pandemic, Disney has not had a $1 billion grossing movie. Um, where previously it had been on a fucking tear. Like every year they would have had two or three of them, if not four or five of them. Buoyed in great part by Marvel, but even before that, even apart from that. You know, the live action remakes of animated movies would do great. Like Beauty and the Beast did gangbusters. Lion King did gangbusters. Aladdin made a billion dollars. You know, and those haven't been performing. Nothing's been performing, including the Marvel stuff. And I think some of it is being attributed, and probably with good reason, to the uh, insistence on Disney Plus, to the putting new things on Disney Plus, to the, you know, the pandemic desperation of putting movies on streaming because otherwise they weren't going to get into the world, and using that to boost a stock price, but training an audience to know that these movies are going to come to you at home, and they're fine at home because that's how you got them for a whole year. So why am I gonna run out and go see Wish, which opened at like $38 million or something? Why am I gonna rush out to see the Marvels, which didn't open particularly well, as we all know, when I know I'm gonna get it in a month? Um, and so I think it might be a little bit less, and, and it happens to feel like superhero fatigue because Marvel's the only people making superhero movies at the moment. So it seems like it's all falling on Marvel and Disney partially because Disney has had a bad release strategy for the last few years. Um, we'll see what happens when, when, uh, when Aquaman opens. Um, but the success of Barbie and the success of Oppenheimer is like, oh, people will still go and see a thing if you market it well and the movie has the goods. Um, and if the audience thought for a second that either of those movies would appear on, on Max within a month and a half of release. You know, we don't expect that from Max, but we do have Disney Plus, and I think that's a big contributor to that fact. So I don't think there's superhero fatigue, particularly. I think it was Disney fatigue a little bit. I was trying to explain to my kid, like we over Thanksgiving, we were just having a conversation, probably a similar conversation to this, where I was like, and don't and mind you, like this is only one aspect of what I do. As previously mentioned, I don't make comic book movies like I've. <laughs> comic book shows and stuff but you know i've just always been a big cheerleader of comic books comic book culture and stuff and have you know there's a whole side hustle where people are like hey what did you think and when i say hustle it doesn't mean there's an economy to it um in financial like some you know because of this show every time i'm like oh my god i love this movie people are like you fucking chill how much is disney paying you and i'm like i <laughs> wish but there is an economy that comes from it even if there's no money where you know 
I, I'm a part of conversations that I wouldn't otherwise be. God bless the kind folks at comicbook.com who are like, you know, fucking Kevin said this about this comic book thing. That's, you know, a tiny smidgen of fucking relevancy in an area that I really shouldn't be part of the conversation other than as a fan, which is how I traditionally enter the conversation, I feel. Uh, anyway, um, it's, you know, I, I, I've i seen a lot of folks in, in online and chat, everyone talking about, like, what's going on? Um, and Marvel's, I think we all know, I'm not, I'm not saying, I think we all know what fucking happened with Marvel, but, you know, I, too much Disney Plus doesn't help. Um, you know, maybe maybe take the Jerry Maguire approach of fewer clients, whatever the fuck. It just shrank down again. But the Disney thing, my, you know, my kid was like baffled by. She's like, she's a huge Disney fan, and she's like, like, what's going on? And I was like, you. Here's the thing. I said I'm old enough to remember there was a time when like Disney wasn't dominant. Like there was a stretch of fucking years. Like Disney was always classic and shit, but like until the Lion King, well, not the Lion King, until Little Mermaid, like Disney was like, oh yeah, was your fucking grandpa's company and shit like that. And like they were not the fucking every movie we put out there makes a billion bucks, let alone the studio that was like, we're gonna buy Star Wars. Um, so I was like, it's weird to live in a world where like for the first time since maybe the little mermaid where they had not just a bad year, but like the year where everybody's writing an article about like fucking the death of Disney and, and like what happened. And I know a lot of folks online are like that. What happened is they went woke. It, it's not that, um, it, it, it once again, it feels like too much a glut and then giving people disney plus gives them a place to go watch it and they get conditioned to it and so they're like why would i go see it in a theater there seem like you know probably what seem like from the outside simple fixes to these problems but my kid could not understand there was a time when disney I was like, yeah, man, the Black Cauldron years. <laughs> like, Rescuers down under. Yeah, like, fucking, <laughs> well, at least some people like that, but like, the, you know, fucking, there were a bunch of years. They didn't know who the fuck they were. Before Touchstone, remember, like, they were like, fuck it, we're going to make Star Wars. They made the Black Hole and fucking, like, they were like, we're going to make action figures for this <laughs> fucking movie about people on the verge of dying with a broken down old robot and <laughs> No real clear good or bad, more like the bad guys, the black hole. Do we have a figure for that? No, fuck. Yeah, we have one extremely metal image at the end with a giant fiery plant with a fucking robot just standing there triumphant. Otherwise, with a guy's know. eyes inside of it. You don't mm. know what that's meant to, like, maybe he fucked a robot. You don't know. <laughs> there was a time where, like, Disney was like, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. And then like from a little mermaid forward like bang hit bang hit bang hit and they kind of got a formula down and maybe that's part of the problem um i i, I don't think they're going anywhere i think that they had a fucking banner bad year and naturally they're going to have to um 
and they are reassessing and changing how they're moving forward. <laughs> yeah. Bob Iger's, uh, the money quote everybody seems to be fixating on is him saying, going forward, we're about quality, not quantity. It's like, yeah, man. And uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I mean, simple fix, simple plan, but it's like, will they be able to not, they've turned on the machine. Can you slow the machine down? Yeah. Like, I, remember having, I remember having a conversation with Ben about Netflix. And when I say Ben, I mean Ben Affleck. Um, but he was like, that's not Ben Vereen. Ben Vereen. I was talking to Ben Vereen. I was like, I loved you and all that. Um, and I was saying like, you know, uh, he, he was like, look how big it is. He's going, it's going to be a public trust sooner or later. Like he's like that. They're like the water department. Like people are just used to, he's like, we grew up in a world where it's like, you had to seek out a movie and go there. And we were so happy when we got cable TV and oh my God, the advent of the VCR and shit like that. He's going, but like, you know, at this point, like you're talking about generations raised with, oh, I can just go to Netflix and surf the tiles. He's like, it, it would be like turning the water off in a town at this point. If it went away, he's like, it may be a too big to fail kind of company. I mean, it might be, but I also remember saying the same thing about Twitter. And you know what happened? <laughs> a guy bought it and drove it into the ground. Um, hey, sooner or later, somebody's going to write a book or <laughs> or tell the real story. And this feels like trading places in real life. Like <laughs> somebody's got a dollar bet. <laughs> a couple billionaires made a dollar bet to see like, well, let me, let me see what I can take twitter's reputation to a new place <laughs> um, yeah yes i guess like just like I, I my kid has grown up in a world where disney is always dominant and yet i know there was a time they weren't but still i thought like coca-cola they'd go on forever untouchable it, it's just weird to see i mean think about it we thought blockbuster was untouchable <laughs> like you know, I, I guess nothing out there is untouchable. Apple has been so dominant for the matter of years now, but it's like, what happens when everybody has the iPhone? Like, or is there a ceiling? Like, could they be done? Well, they build in um, artificial scarcity, right? Or artificial um, temporariness. It's like, hey, so your battery is designed to stop working as well in two or three years. So the performance in your phone begins to go down and you want a new phone. And hey, it just so happens the iPhone 17 is out just in time for you to have your iPhone 15 start to get shitty. Like they, they've they made a thing. It's like cars. You used to make a car that could drive on the road for 20 fucking years until they decided we don't make money if you keep your car for 20 years. We make money if you keep your car for five years. And you have to get a new car now. You have to fucking... Like, we can build these things to be permanent. We just choose not to because we have to force you to buy the new thing. And they all do it. I want to be judgy, but I'm part of the problem, right? I may not be Ford, but like I'm in the business of Kevin Smith. I'm always like, here, buy new Kevin Smith. And they're like, we fucking bought every version of Kevin Smith. I'm like, yeah, but now he comes with a hat. They're like, he always had a fucking hat. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I have Star Wars in like six different formats. 
Because of course I do. I've still got my VHS. I've still got my laser discs. I've got the first DVDs. I've got like a bootleg that has the laser disc cuts on DVD. I've got Blu-ray. I've got 4K. I've got every version that you could ever have because I'm that person. We're all that person, which is what they sort of bank on. You don't have no copy of Oppenheimer in 4K, do you? Because right now I, it's money. I was not the one of the lucky few who, uh, who got in early. Crazy, man. Uh, Banff Man has been waiting I, patiently to share something. Banff I, Man, take the I was going to say, you were talking about Netflix and all, you know, too big to fail. I And, you know, we're talking about being old men. Uh, my daughter just turned three a couple weeks ago. And we had, um, gosh, what were we watching? Uh, like Peacock. There's a show on Peacock. She's really into Ninja Turtles right now. I think Ninja Turtles is on Peacock. And um, I don't pay for Peacock, but Peacock will let you watch with commercials. Mm -hmm. And every time a commercial came on, she would go, oh, no, what happened to the turtles? Right? I So Jen and I had to explain to her what a commercial is. So we were just in Denver at my sister's house watching Ninja Turtles or something. And a commercial came on. My sister has a four-year-old. The four-year-old is like, what's going on? It stopped working. And Jocelyn was like, oh, no. Oh, no, Emery. This is a commercial. So my three-year-old is explaining to the four-year-old what a commercial is. But that's the world they're growing up in. It's not even an on-demand world. It's a commercialless world on top yeah. of it, uh, which is crazy. Like a 22-minute show is 22 minutes. It's not 30 minutes anymore. Yeah. Which is crazy. Uh, I'll also say on the old man thing, we, um, we had the first Thanksgiving that I've ever had where it was my family, my brother's family, my sister's family and my brother's wife's family. But it was all the like our generation of people and all of our kids. So there were eight of us and I think seven kids running around. And that was the moment, the first time in my life uh, that like halfway through dinner, Jen looked at me and was like, oh, we're we're the old group now. And those kids who are stealing candy from the cabinet in the kitchen while we're all sitting at the table, that it's it's about, like, it's theirs now. To them, we are the old people. And it was the first time that there was no, like, grandmas or anything around. And I was like, holy shit, I am the, I am, that's me now. And my peers are, are, the old people sitting at the table and not playing air hockey in the basement or whatever. It yeah. was, you're far it, from the kids table, man. You're the old man. It yeah. was, uh, Catch yeah, the cradle, baby. And you're, that you're was, the guy they're afraid of. They're like, Oh, don't fuck shit up. Yeah. That was, uh, that was my like little existential crisis over Thanksgiving where I was like, Oh my God, I feel like, I still feel like I'm the, like, I only wear t-shirts. I'm wearing a white undershirt and sweatpants to work today for one-on-ones with my bar staff. I'm still the young, cool kid. I have a backwards hat on. I have a mohawk. I am not any of those things. I am middle-aged man. 
You are, you can be both of those things at the same time. <laughs> and what's nice about, you know, the last, well, I've been in the game 30 years now. January is the 30th anniversary of Clerks going to Sundance and my whole career beginning and shit. So I've, I've been, I've been around for like a red hot minute. Um, you, you can, you can absolutely be both. Like everything has shifted. Nobody looks like my parents anymore. <laughs> fucking your pictures of yourself as a kid. Like if you're me and Mark's age, particularly your our parents, like this was only 50 years ago, which is like, you know, fucking half a century and shit. But like everyone looks so old, incredibly old. And now old people don't even look that old. Like, it's, you know, I keep seeing articles online periodically that are like, were people just older back then? And <laughs> there's always theories that are like, well, in the fucking 20s through the 50s, nobody smiled in a photo because nobody had dental care or whatever the fuck. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's it and shit. But I, you can be in your 40s. How old are you, JC? Uh, coming up on 43 pretty quickly. You'd be insane. Not to dress the way you want to dress when you built your own business and you do whatever the fuck you want to do. That's something I know my father never once considered. He worked for the for the machine. Well, in this case, the post office and stuff like that. And he was happy to have a job, but that was just so he could pay for his family and stuff. But like you and me and Mark, we're of a generation where it's like, I want to do a fucking thing that I saw on TV or in a movie once. <laughs> that way I can dress however the fuck I want for the rest of my life and not have to wear a suit if I don't want to and stuff. Unless it's like you're, you know, in season two of The Bear and you're fucking, I wear suits now. Yes, I <laughs> the, uh, that, is, is Hold on. Is that not, is Forks not the best episode of TV you've seen in a long time? It was, it was absolutely wonderful. That was the, which one is, the, is that? That's the Richie episode? going to, to stage at the fanciest restaurant in Chicago. Wonderful, especially oh. like the last scene, one of the last scenes with him and um, Olivia Coleman, mm -hmm. where they're just like, let's just have her come in and drop fucking science. <laughs> it's a wonderful series. Absolutely. And it's if you've ever worked in a restaurant, it really hits home. If you've ever worked as a team, like, you know, a lot of film and TV people like the show because it reminds you of production, a bunch of personalities forced to work together and create a thing and yeah. it, thing that just blew my mind watching the show. I, I love both seasons, but season one, I love more than season two. Um, only by this much more. I'm not saying like fuck season two, season two is absolutely wonderful. Um, but I thought it was brave as fuck to build all of season one. And then uh, I don't want to spoil it and then do what they do at the end of season one. And that's what predicates season mm -hmm. two. Like most TV shows be like, if it's ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. So once again, FX, just adventurous as fuck. Um, it it's, reminds me of Ted Lasso, but with less dialogue, perhaps. I don't know how to describe it. Like they, if you, you feel good watching the show, um, but it's not like, um, and I, I don't want it like, hmm. I don't know how to describe it. Like Ted Lasso has that Richard Curtis feel good kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And this has more of a, um, you know, like Richard Linklater feel good kind of thing. It's just smart. 
I think it 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 trusts the audience a little bit more than Ted Lasso does. Agreed. You know, and and because there's there's setups and payoffs of things like there's, and again, we this is not just me and Kev talking. You guys just happen to be here, but there's the episode when when Marcus goes to like whatever. Switzerland, I think it is, or Sweden, to yeah. learn with that guy. Wonderful episode where standalone with this one dude learns to bake in a kitchen that is nowhere near anything else. You barely see anyone else, and he's talking to uh to to what's his face, the guy who's in. I'm um, names are escaping me, but he was he was the the who the fuck is it? He's in Guardians Three. The dude was all gold. Oh, right? uh, Will Poulter. Will Poulter. Um, and Will Poulter tells this story about how he's like, listen, I thought that I was the best chef in the world and I conducted myself that way. I pushed myself and I thought that I was as good as, as I could be. And the chef comes into the restaurant that I'm working and shows me what good really is. I thought I could compete with him. I thought I could keep up with him and I just couldn't. And it's, it, it freed me to then be the person that I was going to be because I didn't have to be the best. I could just be as good as I could be. He drove me, he pushed me, he, he, he accelerated my development. Um, and I'm glad that he was there. And they never say who that other chef was until like four episodes later, yeah. Richie's walking down a hallway and you see Will Poulter and you see fucking Jeremy Allen White in a picture together. And they never call attention to it and they never even mention it in dialogue. But you then know, oh shit, it was him. He was the guy. Fuck. And... Like Ted Lasso would have made a thing about that, and I don't mind. Like I love Ted Lasso. We talked. Yeah, to Ted no, Lasso. nobody's. Uh, I'm not saying, and it's not like one over the other, or one. You know, somebody in the thread was like, the uh, the bear is the anti Ted Lasso, and and I disagree. I think they they're very similar in as in as much as they celebrate humanity. Like there's a moment in the bear where um, uh, who's the lady in the kitchen who finally puts on the Oh yeah, I don't remember her name, but like when when Sydney asks her to be like, would you would you be my chef de cuisine? Don't you're gonna make me fucking cry because oh it was God. like, oh my, it's a beautiful human moment. That just holds the camera on it. this actor. Yes, and, and, and just it, it that that moment alone, the performance on the actor's face worth a billion dollars. Because you actually feel, oh my God, this person feels seen and appreciated. And like, it's quiet. It's not like they don't mm -hmm. build a whole dialogue thing around it. But one of the scenes, like where she went and sang, what is it, Freddie Fender? I'll be there before the, la the next teardrop falls. That she does it like the karaoke night. Mm -hmm. Was it a stunningly beautiful scene? And it's just a person fucking singing. But it's cut so insanely well as the room responds to her. And she has this like wonderful fucking moment where she's like, she's even this late in her life. I mean, she's got like kids and stuff like that. She's finding appreciation. Like, and, and that's Ted Lasso has that going for it as well. Like mm -hmm. quiet humanity or, you know, not so quiet humanity, just humanity. And how precious that is and it's really really wonderful i saw somebody in the thread going like uh, i can't find it now but they were like look i've worked in restaurants for 10 years this show's overrated it's not necessarily like you know hey man restaurant 
people only. It is a show about restaurants, but it's like, and I'm not taking it away and saying like, it's not really about restaurants. Naturally it's about restaurants, Mm -hmm. but like Ted Lasso, it's about shining a light on each character and their humanity. And these people, even when they bicker are deeply connected um, and are fond of one another. You know what I'm saying? Like you, mm-hmm. they're a family, even though they're not, they created this family and is really well done. It was an easy watch, man. Yeah. Like, super easy. like 28 minute episodes. They completely just skate by and like when they're great, they're amazing. When yeah. they're just really good, it's still fucking really good TV. 100%. Yeah. Hey, man, let me just jump in here for a sec to remind you, jayandsilentbob.com, ladies and gentlemen. You want to buy anything Clerks related, anything Jay and Silent Bob related, anything Kevin Smith related, go to jayandsilentbob.com. Now back to the show. Um, should we talk about some other TV shows that we're on? Yeah, uh, yeah you saw a lot more than I did. The, uh, the, the, the bear... Uh, is the the same like uh, the, the bear I mean rather is the thing that I watched that was brand new um, I don't know if I watched anything else new but you have I have I've been seeing some shit because some of it was like you know a week off and not going anywhere not doing much being fucking indisposed with my back not being able to fucking go out there and wrestle alligators anymore so I've just been sitting on my ass a bit. Um, but I saw the the first two, maybe three episodes of Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Oh, that's Apple the TV. Apple TV show. Yeah. Tied um, in the Godzilla movie, the King Kong movie. Yeah, and I, I kind of fucking dug it. You know, like it it's doing the thing that I always say that I don't want, which is in my, I don't want any people in my monster movies just going to be fucking 30 minutes of monsters punching each other in the face, and I'm good. Um but this is, yeah, I mean, we we all saw Godzilla versus Kong and was like, I don't care about these humans. I just want to see these two fight. People who are traditional fans of, of like the Godzilla movies and stuff maintain that the human part is incredibly important. And I understand what the argument is, but, you know, as somebody who grew up on, on the Godzilla movies on the 430 movie, where they were cut way down to like <laughs> one hour in length, I can appreciate the like, let's just watch them fight. <laughs> yeah like so if you do, it's less about that it's more about it's all the people talking stuff it's it's all of the be like they they give you the big like beauty shots of godzilla destroying san francisco as sort of a backdrop for one of the characters and so you get some of that in there but it's mostly this sort of it's not a time hopping thing like there's no fucking doctor who's in it um but uh but it does sort of skip through time periods so that you get the neat trick of Wyatt Russell and Kurt Russell playing the same character about 40 years apart. That's dope. That's which cool. is kind of fucking dope. Like that you can do that without having to de-age anybody or, or up age somebody. It's like, no, just get father and son. They sound the same. They look the same. It's a good idea right there. I buy it. Um, and so like, it's, it's a little X-Files. 
um you know we there's we got to find the what what's happening with this there's a thing in in this well in 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 japan that somebody found in 1975 and now we found the film and the file footage of it in, in 2015 what is it it's all a big mystery thing but the characters are kind of cool the world is pretty neat a world that understands there's a godzilla you know, so there's like Godzilla evacuation routes in Tokyo and, and there are bunkers that you can go hide in if there's a kaiju sighting somewhere like it's it's smart and it's cool and, and, and it moves pretty quickly. You don't have time to get bored, even though you don't see a ton of Godzillas. Um, it was developed um, by uh, by two folks, a guy named Chris Black and then Matt Fraction of comic book fame mm-hmm. is the other guy who who put this one together um you know the cast is good it knows what it is it is not asking too much of you it moves fast it's a mystery show and the mystery seems interesting um i'm kind of digging it and how often do you see monsters um you know there's some version of a monster that like they're i think they're holding the giant godzilla big ass kaiju thing for later in the season but you see kind of smaller versions of monsters you see a couple of flashbacks like skull island and some big monster attack shit like it's you you get a taste every episode, but they're they're saving it. Um, WTF rocks said Godzilla minus one this weekend only in theaters. So the Godzilla movie from uh, Toho, right? Should yeah, it? yeah. It's it's sort of a a reimagining of that first Godzilla fifty four movie. Of like, is that what it is? Yeah, it's yeah, we're like back. stunning ratings. Like I think it's at a hundred percent or some close to that. Yeah. yeah, but that comes out. I guess you could see it here this weekend only. Yeah, I think it opens on the second or the first. Um, but yeah, I I can't wait to see it. I'm going to be in San Francisco this weekend, so I might have to pass. What are you doing, family or business? I'm uh, taking the taking Splinter to another film festival. Which one? Up, up in the Bay. It's called Another Hole in the Head Film Festival. So those who don't know, Mark directed a fucking movie um splinter and he's I been did. around and this is yet another place he gets to take it man Welcome. another place another place and i think after after this weekend the next place you can see it is on the uh cruise askew that's right fucking good plug we don't have a sponsor so cruise askew kids jane silent bobs cruise um it is coming you can't stop it <laughs> be on a boat with me and mark Jason Muse, Jason Lee, Brian O'Halloran, Jeff Anderson, all your favorite stars from Clerks and Mallrats, Ethan's every Blue. night. We got a movies yeah, up. Look at that graphic. Look at, look at those fucking. Yo, it's dripping and everything. That's right. Dripping because people are fucking creaming over the opportunity to go to sea with all your favorite fucking folks right here, folks. There it is. Um, Cruise Askew coming in February of 2024, right around the bend. And Christmas coming. Still some cabins left, man. We're I think we're at something that eight, almost eighty percent sold at this point. So nice. yeah, it's pretty good. It's gonna be fun, man. Three thousand fucking of us at sea together doing podcasts, showing what? the movie. When what? when are you showing the movie? I think it's Sunday. I think it's Sunday. We 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 disembark we we embark on the cruise on friday we're saturday at sea and i think sunday is the bunch of shit on the boat as we pull into the bermuda the i don't even know don't talk to me i'm not the cabin stu- the captain stooping of this particular adventure but i Who think it's you? like are you the julie uh i'm the bartender i, was, I am I'm I, I, I didn't want to immediately assume you'd be the isaac but 
you, you know who I am? I'm the I'm the uh, the Lou Rawls, the guest star who shows uh, up on the <laughs> Isaac's dad. <laughs> Isaac shows up on that episode, and Isaac's like, "Dad, <laughs> it's you with the mustache who runs in the family." <laughs> and he's like, "You're a one." That's not him. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's um who was I just doing? One in a million chance of a lifetime. Um is that uh, Teddy Pentagrass? No. Is it it's uh Graham? Fuck. Oh my god, I hate when I have these old person moments. But Lou Rawls is You'll, you'll never find another as love long as you life. live. Someone who cares about you. The way, the way I, I do. do. Oh my God, you're I'm you're re- bringing to mind visions of my mother making eggs <laughs> on a Sunday morning and fucking singing <laughs> along to Lou Ross. You're gonna miss my loving. You're gonna miss my love. She was doing fucking harmony and shit. Yeah, that that for me is like driving in my mother's like 1970 mobile. Larry Graham is one in a million. One in a million. <laughs> um, um, so yes, uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters, totally worth a watch. Um, I've seen the first five episodes of Squid Game: The Challenge. Are you familiar with Squid Game: The Challenge? So they made the Squid Game, and it was all about how you know, fucking, this is, isn't it cruel that these rich people watch these poor people or people that need money or destitute or last, you know, chance folks compete for money. How fucking cruel and bloodthirsty. And then their takeaway was like, let's do it in real life. Let's do it for reals. Let's build this all in some studio in England. No one will get killed, mind you, but you know, like we're still going to do red light, green light. We're going to put squibs on everybody. So like when they get, that's what it is. So you can get shot, but it's just a squib. It's just a squib. That's like fucking, that's a big deal. Yeah. And it's it's black ink, not red. So it's like, oh, they didn't get shot. They just got eliminated. They got inked. They got inked. Um, it's, How still, it? it's still pretty good, though. No. It, <laughs> it is. Like, I'm kind of, like, fucking hooked on it a little bit. Not quite in the way that I was in, in, the, in, the, in the scripted version of it, which is in, infinitely superior. But it's like, it's, it's Survivor. That's all it is. And if you cast it well, um, and and you don't know who's going to go, and they still do the thing where like we start with 456 competitors. Week two, 275, because we eliminated half of them in red light, green light. The next one, like, you know, we're losing 30 and 10 and 15 and 20 chunks. And there's a couple new games that are interesting, and they're not clearly killing people, so they've got to invent other games that don't involve death. But it's it's still pretty fucking riveting. Um, I gotta say, I can't, you're in a, you are a mystery, my friend. If I had to lay money on, I'd be like, no way Mark likes this. I, I, yeah, it just, I don't know. It's, it's evocative. It's just evocative enough of the show that I'm like, you know what? Okay. And there are awful enough people that you want to see get their just reward. And then there's people that seem totally chill who you want to see advance in the game. Like it's, it's every reality show, um, just a little bit crueler. 
and that these people are like sequestered Big Brother style in a fucking dormitory with 400 beds. <laughs> and they're living together without able to see the sun, without knowing what time it is, not getting enough food, forming shitty little alliances that always get blown up because the game is ruthless enough. Like it's, it's pretty good, man. What is the, what's the top prize? Is there only it's one? It's still prize? like $4 million. Like, and it's like every time a person gets kicked out, they add $10,000 to the, to the pot. And so like, yeah, I think they're now at $3.8 million for the 78 people remaining. And there's five more episodes of the show. Like, I don't know, man, I'm in it to win it. Um, the other show that I've seen on the Netflix is Scott Pilgrim takes off. How's that? Animated, right? Animated looks very much like the Brian Lee O'Malley comic cool. books. Yeah, um, it uh, it is. It and it's reminds got all the voices from the people in the movie, correct? Everybody from the movie came back, like top to bottom, soup to nuts. Um, the first episode plays very much like the beginning of the movie and the beginning of the book that you remember. Like Scott Pilgrim, well-meaning kind of layabout, you know, unambitious uh, slacker who's a bass player of a band. Um, he meets this girl who delivers a fucking Netflix DVD and he falls in love with Mona Flowers. And then he goes to him and his band are going to put on a showcase and they're going to either be famous or not. And then after the first episode, um, you'll dig this. Scott Pilgrim seems to die. And why would I dig this? It was very evocative. It reminded me quite a bit of a thing. And, uh, and like the rest of the show, the season, spoilers, people who haven't seen it, um, but it's been in the top 10 of Netflix for quite a bit. So I have a feeling you've all seen it. It's about Ramona Flowers trying to figure out what happened to Scott Pilgrim. She doesn't think he died. She's trying to find out what did happen. And it's a complete diversion from what you think you know of Scott Pilgrim. If you were a fan of the books of the movie, it is not that at all. And it's a bold fucking swing um, for creators to just say, you know what? I've already made the book once. We made the movie that's faithful to the book. We don't need the same thing a third time. So let me re-examine this work and find a different way into it and go deeper than we've ever gone before and come to it as a grown-ass person. Like Brian Lee O'Malley was in his 20s when he wrote and drew the comic books, and now he's an older man who has a completely different perspective on the world. And Revisiting these same characters with that new perspective is actually really fascinating to watch. Um, I really dig it. Um, I, uh, I think if you're a Scott Pilgrim fan, I think you will dig it as well. If you're not, hey, whatever. It's a, it's, it's a fun, good 28-minute watch. Um, but yeah, man, I really, I really enjoyed it. And I also appreciate that like you know, Ben David Grabinski and, and Bradley O'Malley, who were the executive producers, creators, and sole writers of it, like there's no second season. This is what you get. Like they're doing it once to one off. Yeah. They're like, we don't have an idea for another one. If something occurs to us in a couple of years, maybe we'll come back to it. But this is the story. Enjoy. Is Edgar it. involved? Edgar's an executive producer of it. Um, you know, and I think lots of the like working title people or universal people or whomever like all of the names that are on it, the names that are familiar from the credits in the movie. But yeah, man, it's super, it's super entertaining. Really, really fun. Um, uh, I watched uh, the new season of Fargo. There's like two episodes and maybe three at this point, but I watched the first two. Yeah. And uh, John Hamm and his pierced nipples and, oh, yeah. uh, and uh, Juno Temple doing like a really 
um, Fargo-esque uh, <laughs> accent. Um, but yeah. that's, that's been really good. Yeah, I've enjoyed it so far. It's only two episodes, but good times. Um, John Hamm to fucking anything. At one point, he gets out of the hot tub, man, and they show him from behind and shit. And I'm like, is that what a man looks like? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so far away <laughs> so far away from that I saw me, uh, he's been talking about I want to be in a Marvel movie yeah played Mr. Sinister back in the X-Men and shit but now a lot of people are like and the uh, the John Hamm is Doctor Doom rumors begin indeed like, I'd like to do that one. I would take that I would take John Hamm as Doctor Doom <laughs> take John Hamm as anything Take John Ham on Rye, man. Oh, John Ham's John Ham. Fuck yeah. Take that. Take it <laughs> take wherever here, there, wherever right fucking under here. I'd put it under my arm. <laughs> um, um the last thing that I saw was uh Napoleon, Ridley Scott's Napoleon. Holy shit, how much time do you have on your hands? Isn't this movie like 19 hours? It's actually not that long. It's like 237. It's oh, so it's, it's shorter than Oppenheimer? Yeah, shorter than Oppenheimer, shorter than Killers of the Flower Moon. Um it's okay. There it is. <laughs> Put that on a poster. <laughs> hey, <okay>. Sir Ridley. <laughs> I mean, okay. Um, yeah, it's not awesome. It, uh, it, I mean, it looks amazing because really knows how to shoot a thing, and he can still marshal troops on battlefields like nobody's business. And but like, it it reminded me a bit of the prequel trilogy. And that it's a story that seems to be all about and hinges on us buying a romance. Like, either you believe that Anakin Skywalker and Padme are for fucking real, and it's the, the love story to end all love stories, and when he goes evil, it breaks people's heart, and she dies on the table of a broken heart. Like, you have to buy all that, or the rest of it doesn't hold. And it's not great, you know? Um, This is a story about Napoleon Bonaparte and Josephine, his wife, and their great love that that emboldens him and leads him to greatness and like i never thought that they were in love i don't know what they see in each other i don't know what they do for each other um and so every time you have a scene of the two of them being married you're like why why a why am i here b why are they together and see why is she the thing that makes him great um i don't know i mean it's the same thing we always talk about is the i don't know why he does what he does other than history says he has to do what he does. Like, why is he driven to, to, to become the greatest general in all of France? Like, what in his childhood made him want to do that? What armed him for this? Is he just a genius? Was he taught? Like, all of these things they don't care about. And so it's a lot of, it's like Wikipedia filmmaking in that 1817, we cut off Marie Antoinette's head. 1819, it's the first thing in this part of France. And 1823, he's named the first council. And it's very like, it's very chapter driven. Like it either needed to be smaller and we're going to focus on one part of this dude's life or bigger. And we're telling a mini series and we can do all of the things, but this weird version just doesn't, just doesn't hit. Just doesn't hit. Um, I don't, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll it'll wait. be good at home. I was going to say, <laughs> I'll wait until it's on Apple TV and I'm like, Napoleon. And <laughs> In will go down that road. Uh, I saw the French critics were like, this is shit. 
<laughs> really like went after it. Bond was like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, I guess the French, of course, have a little more skin in the game. Yeah. <laughs> over and here, people are like, hey, Ridley Scott does it again. And over there, they're like, fucking did it again. He did cheat. <laughs> and I thought Ridley's response was like, who gives a fuck? Ridley's like, I'm sorry, I made that movie 12 movies ago. I'm a... <laughs> I'm up here in the future. This is a guy who does not stop. Like, just makes, he makes, I, I think he makes more movies than Tyler Perry every year. <laughs> Entirely possible. <laughs> he's, he, he's just, I mean, like, I, 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 I won't be that director when I get old. And, and not because I'm like, they won't let me, which will probably be the case. But I, I can't imagine having that much energy where you're like, let's do another one. Let's do another one. Let's do yeah, another one. Come on, line them up. But good for him, man. Just like, you know, it reminds me, I tell the story all the time, but like Jason Reitman was on the podcast years ago and he said that the best piece of advice that his father, uh, Ghostbusters director Ivan Reitman gave him was make as many movies as you possibly can. He said, after Ghostbusters, I got Precious and I wouldn't make any flicks because I was like, I'm waiting for the next Ghostbusters. He's like, you know how often Ghostbusters comes along? Not a lot. He's going, so I, I he said, in retrospect, I wish I had made more movies. Better chance that more of them, you know, would be good. Like, you know, yeah, some of them might have been bad. But like, you know, right now, I, you know, I just feel like, God, I wish I'd made more. Such a great, like, piece of advice if you're a you know, that's your calling if you're a director. But it feels like Ridley Scott is just like, oh, yeah, I got that advice years ago. I'm just I'm just going. What else you got for me? He's like, I'm a filmmaker. That's what I do. I'm one of the greatest <laughs> filmmakers and, and fucking, of course. Like, what am I? What else am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, get on stage and do fucking quasi stand-up like you, jackass? No. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the trailer for Ferrari, which yeah. it was very... Very uh, endemic of of the same um, Napoleon problem. Where I'm looking at the Ferrari trailer, and I felt a lot like uh, like Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park. It's like, uh, excuse me, are you going to have any Italians in your Italian movie? Like, I Is see that also a Ridley Scott movie. No, it's Michael Mann. Michael but Mann. it's like Adam Driver and and Penelope Cruz and Haley Steinfeld and no Shailene Woodley and like. Are there any Italians in your movie about Italian car racing? Like, do you have any French people in your French people movie? Why is everybody speaking with a British accent? They're all supposed to be French. Find yeah, some fucking French people. They're fucking Star Wars Europeans. It's an old Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fucking wild. Um. Somebody asked about um, Nicolas Cage movie. My kid saw it. She loved it. Yeah. What's it? The Dream Dream Something? Yeah. Uh, Don't remember what the last name is. Like, it's a good name. It's a good pun name, but I can't remember. Um, He's out there still clearing the air about Superman. You know, people (laughs) ask him, like, what did you mean? He's like, I mean what I said. Like, I literally, they told me to, like, look out at a dying world and say nothing but just show it in your eyes and he's like and then i go to a movie theater and like you know there's well i don't he didn't say that part but he's like but there's a whole fucking scene that i didn't do and yeah. he's you know his whole thing is not like 
dream scenario. I don't know if AI, they used AI or not. He's like, the point is, you know, there's a contract you enter into and like you're, they say you're going to do this and you're like, okay, I'll do that. And then you sign up and he's going and then they made me do shit that I was, wasn't even aware I was going to do. Yeah. I mean, which it's not, they didn't use AI to do it, but that is part of the AI conversation, which is you scan my body, my face and my voice. Do I then have control of what you do with that digital representation of me? Um, I did it specifically for you to make this dinosaur movie. And then I find myself in a fucking science fiction space movie. I didn't know that that's what I was doing. You've got to tell me what you're making me do. Um, yeah, which seems like a reasonable request. Yeah. Like I didn't read that and go like, Oh, actors. I was like, <laughs> yeah, like this kind of makes sense. And you know, he wasn't like fuck Andy Muschietti and, and his man, Barbara Muschietti. And she, he was just like, look, I like them both. Uh, they're great people, but like I, you know, I just didn't know that's what was I was going to be doing. Yeah. Um, and technically, it's like, well, you didn't do it because it was big old CG effect. And he's like, well, that's the point is, like, they made it. I'm supposed to be that guy, and I'm fighting a giant spider, and then I turn around, and it is me. He's like, it's me. But yeah, so like, I read the script that you had. I yeah. signed onto it based on that script, and then I show up on set. And I do what you tell me to do. And then what appears is nothing that was in the script that feels a bit like, at the very least, dodgy and at its zenith, fraud. <laughs> it all, yeah. And it also feels like it, it doesn't necessarily mean he would have been like, I ain't doing that. But he's just yeah. like, fucking just tell me. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, let me know. All I was told is I'm going to look out and fucking look sad. He's like, all of a sudden I fighting fucking giant spiders with <laughs> Yeah. Or, or if there's a change, tell me there's going to be a change. By the way, we I know we shot this. We told you it's going to be this. In post, we went a different way. Just so you know what to expect with what we did with your body. But, uh, yeah, weird. Weird. Uh, so you're, you're, you know, you're like uh, Napoleon home watch for you. You know, I, I we were choosing, my wife and I were choosing between Napoleon and the the Hunger Games prequel. Um, and I feel like we chose poorly. Um, not that I, and I wanted to see Napoleon on a big screen. We saw it on an IMAX screen. And again, like Ridley can frame the thing like few other people can. Like it looks great. But I kind of wish we had chosen the other one, which I hear is pretty decent. Which one did you? Oh, the Hunger songbirds Games. and snakes. Instead, snakes you were like, "Fuck it, let's go to homework." The movie. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, let's go to war. Uh, you should be reading Le Monde, my friend. They would have told you what to do. It is shit. Mailed. <laughs> it is shit. Yeah, that's right. They got they got their own word for shit. <laughs> um, what else? You watch anything else? We all go. I think I think that's that's sort of where I am. Am I watching anything else? Um, no, not really. Not really. I'm watching. I'm catching up with bodies on uh, on your recommendation, um, which you know I like. I don't love, but I like it. The the the, the gimmick is is enough to keep me going. Um, no, nah, man. It's been it's been a lot of like Great British Baking Show, which is perhaps one of the greatest reality TV shows to ever be made in the history of television. And I had a weakness for the reality genre. 
Um, I, I don't have a deep one. Um, I, I skitter along the surface. Um, I watch like Amazing Race because it's like a travelogue. Um, I watch Great British Baking Show because it is the most reaffirming of humanity show that you will ever, ever watch. They are the best people in the world. And because there's no prize money, because there's nothing at stake beyond like, hey, you're Star Baker this week. They help each other. They support each other. They kind of hug each other when it goes bad. Like it's, it's, it's cooperative competition, if that's even possible. Um, and they are all the sweetest fucking people on the planet. And so that was a pandemic watch when like I needed a thing to feel good about. And watching British people with questionable teeth make pretty good food and care for each other in the process was, uh, was, was the bomb that was needed. Um, the, uh, they've asked in chat, a few people are asking about, have we watched the Bass Reeves show? Not yet. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I am not a Taylor Sheridan TV person. Um, that's, that's from the same guy that did Yellowstones and, uh, the Tulsa King and special ops lioness. And he makes the shows that people watch the shows that actually have double digit ratings and stuff. It makes the shows that makes Paramount Network and I think Peacock is something it's streaming on whatever it is, but he's the engine of of the Paramount streaming platform. I haven't watched it yet. I like David O'Yellowo, but I haven't I haven't buckled in yet. They asked if we've watched The Curse. I think we talked about it last time, but yeah, The Curse is. I haven't seen The Curse yet. You I haven't seen it? it? Oh, if I can watch it for the tiny dick scene in episode one, <laughs> one you'll just be like, wow. <laughs> John Ham's nipples, tiny dicks in the curse. We're you can do anything now nowadays on TV. <laughs> um, Bamf. Hey, it's Bamf Man. What you got? Uh, I saw something, but it wasn't on TV. It was probably now. Keep in mind, I have traveled the world for Star Wars conventions. I've traveled the world for Kevin Smith's shows and Jay and Silent Bob Get Old shows. Um, I. I own Scum and Villainy Cantina. I have seen some nerdy shit in my day. Uh, last week, I went and saw a band called Cybertronic Spree. And they were opening for a band called Mac Sabbath. Cybertronic <laughs> Spree dresses up like Transformers from yeah, the 1986 Transformers animated movie and play... 80s songs and songs from the soundtrack of that movie. So they play like an 80s metal version of the Transformers theme song. And then they played like the Mortal Kombat theme song. And then they played the Power Rangers theme song. And it was awesome. It was, (laughs) I was like six years old watching because they have, it's all foam Transformers costumes. But you can't see their eyes. Like their eyes are have like like blue oakly one way mirrors on them. So you never get it's not even like Chewbacca where you can see like real eyes in Chewbacca. These are like animated. You know they're people, but because you can't see their faces, you're like complete suspension of disbelief. Um <laughs> and then after they finished playing a bunch of songs from a movie that's almost 40 years old, that 
a band called Mac Sabbath comes on and it's a Black Sabbath cover band that changes all the words to Black Sabbath songs to fit a fast food theme. And they dress as Ronald McDonald is the lead singer and Grimace is the guitar player and the Hamburglar is the drummer. And there was probably a thousand people there. And like, I mean, you might, anytime you go into Scum and Villainy, there, there will be some normal people there. There's not a single normal person at this concert. Not one. <laughs> like, every single person there, like, you could go up to and just be like, you know, in season three of the Transformers, episode 18, when Hot Rod does this, and they'll be like, I know, I couldn't believe he said this. And then this, like, it was like the deepest nerd. Like when we were kids and you'd see somebody like wearing like a Star Wars t-shirt in like 1990. And you're like, oh, you you remember that space movie when it's not cool. It was a room full of those people. Like How it was insane. It? How can people see it? They are, uh, it was the end of their tour was in LA. And they... Um, and then they drove there from Toronto. So uh-huh. Toronto, Toronto, yeah. A, dot. Yeah. Canadian robots. Um, it was incredible. I guess they played Dragon Con every year and a couple other like conventions. Don't don't skip it. It's it was amazing. And then the thing that blew my mind is they came to Scum and Villainy. That was a Sunday night. On Monday, they came and sang karaoke at Scum and Villainy. Which was ah, crazy. Cool. Uh, so I got to hang out with Hot Rod and RC from my <laughs> favorite childhood movie at my bar, which was awesome. Uh, but yeah, if you ever get... Buy a bar. Yeah. Everything cool happens when you buy a bar. And uh, yeah, and if you get a chance to see robots playing 80s hair metal, take it. It is incredible. And the nerdiest thing you'll ever do. Thank you. In chat, they're asking us, Blu-ray Addict is like, are you guys looking forward to the This Is Spinal Tap sequel? Yes. Uh, Rob Reiner mentioned that there might be a Spinal Tap sequel. I'm, of course. If, yeah. if anything moves forward, I'm there for that. I love This Is Spinal it's, Tap. It's one of the news stories, um, which we can jump ahead into, but he's like, they're shooting in February. I, I didn't get past the headline. Holy shit, really? All right, well, yeah. hold, hold that thought. Um, <laughs> Brian Christian asks, Invincible Season 2? Well, he says he doesn't ask. He says, is good. I haven't seen it yet, but I did watch half of uh, Gen V. Mm. Wonderful. Haven't seen either, but I'm going to get around to it, I promise. Really, really great companion piece series for the boys. Extends the universe. All the acting is top-notch. It's good stuff, man. It's like the X-Men while we wait for the X-Men or the X-Men, if they could fucking shrink tall, shrink real small and fucking grab onto a giant dick, um, which is a set piece and spoilers. Episode one, I think maybe as you do. Um, yeah, it's uh, totally worth watching. Um, Mike W says blue eyed samurai. Mark talked about that last week or the week before and loves it. Loves it's, it. it's, uh, it, remains phenomenal i started watching it again because i wanted my uh, my son and my wife to watch it and uh 
it, even a rewatch just continues to yield new wonders and glories. Um, cannot recommend it highly enough. I still think that Jen would like it potentially more than you would. Good to know. We're looking yes. for to watch. We've been, you know, she's well, she's been on the couch as previously spoke about. My wife shattered her hip and had emergency hip surgery. Uh, but uh, we went to the doctors yesterday and he's like, your x-ray looks fantastic and your wound looks great and you're walking here with a cane. Normally people are still walking with a walker. So, you know, you're doing great. So you can sleep in the bed. She'd been sleeping on the couch for like three weeks and the couch mm. is like a fucking coffin. It's got like three high sides and shit. So if you're in there, you just fucking feel like you're dead. So she got to come back to the bed last night. But that little fucking dog that I showed you, the little mm. shepherd, she's been luxuriating in the bed with me for the last three weeks. And <laughs> she was baffled by like, who the fuck is this? I was like, that's your mother. Like, what do you mean? Who is this? Evicted, bitch. Yeah, fucking <laughs> who had your time and shit. So, you know, I was real worried that she would hit Jen's wound and shit. But the dogs are intuitive they're like we know to stay away from that instead she just took up most of my side of the fucking bed mm -hmm. sorry about that man these are dog owner problems kids biggest <laughs> problems in the world to have um but in chat everyone mark is going nuts and i assume <clears throat> most of those folks of course are from overseas Wanting to know are we going to talk about doctor who because our artwork is done by the the great dark Nate returns Nate Gonzalez um, is very doctor who themed. And of mm -hmm. course just dropped the new first of three parts of uh, it's doctor who's 60th anniversary. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. And so they, they've done like three special kind of mini movies that I think they're putting up on Disney plus the new home of doctor who is that really? Yeah. Yeah, they, they they bought the rights from BBC America, um, who had then bought the rights from PBS originally um, from the UK. So does their deal, it's just like, oh, this is where it airs domestically or like that's where it airs worldwide? I think domestically, I think in the US. And so in the UK, it's still the BBC. It's still the BBC. I'm not sure if it's one, two, three or four, um, but it's definitely, it's on the Beeb. As they say. As they say. Um, in this, David Tennant came back, uh, replacing Jodie Whittaker. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, spoilers, I mean, I, we're, I didn't watch it, so we're not going to go deep on it. Did you watch it yet? No. I haven't watched it yet either. I'm the only person who likes Doctor Who in my house, so I need to sneak away and find the time to watch it in the closet. Timey-wimey, if you will. Um, but I read a piece that indicates that... Um, all is not as it would seem. It really is. Um, but of course, uh, who's the writer that came back that everybody loves? I believe it's Russell T. Davies. Yeah. Him and David Tennant coming back. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of love for it, and then I've seen some people accusing it of being woke or whatever. Yeah, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're transitioning into the new doctor who will take over in the next series. Um, played by uh, Shuri Gatwa, who's an, a British African actor. All right, so everybody knows this. Yes, that is not a surprise. So that it's not going to be David Tennant going forward. Right. Like, he David Tennant is back, and I think there will be some version for the 60th anniversary where all of the surviving doctors appear on screen at once, which they seem to do 
time and again where it's like, hey, here's Matt Smith, and maybe they'll get Eccleston, who's never wanted to do it before. And, you know, there's still some of the older actors who are still alive, who like Sylvester McCoy, I think, is still alive, and Paul McGann, and all these folks who are like, yeah, we'll pay you some money, come up to, to, to Cardiff and spend a day in the, in the TARDIS. Uh, all words that mean something if you're into Doctor Who. Yes, no doubt. Um, <laughs> it is. Um, um, is this the beginning of the new Doctor? Well, the Disney Doctor. Um, I I don't believe. I mean, I don't think Disney Plus is part of the production of it at all. I think they literally are just the distributor for for the thing. I think it still gets funded by the BBC and whatever independent. Um, financing they have overseas so i don't i mean the people who want to find a reason to hate it will call it the disney doctor in the same way they call the star wars they don't like disney star wars um but i don't think those two things are quite analogous but there will be people who hate it because it's a black dude playing the doctor um because that happens um I, you know, I, I've, uh, you fuck with the show far more than I do, but I've fucked <laughs> with the show in the past. It, <clears throat> I, and I don't want to start a fucking debate and shit, but <laughs> I, I always thought this show was fairly progressive. It always has been. Entire life. I mean, I hesitate to use the word woke, but like when somebody was like, they went woke, I was like, yeah fucking decades ago like, yeah the same thing about star trek it's like i don't like this new woke star trek it's like it's been woke since 1965 <laughs> yeah, i mean that's that's the it's it's whole life is predicated <laughs> on like here's some new ideas about bringing to people together in the future and shit <laughs> it's built into the premise and if you don't <laughs> like it you've actually never liked it <laughs> um so uh will you be watching it of course you i will. will i will like I, I, I am not a like died in the wool Doctor Who fan, um, but I've, I've, I have fucked with it in the past. I fucked with some doctors more than others. I, I fucked with David Tennant and Matt Smith more than I fucked with uh, um, Jodie Whittaker or um, Peter Capaldi. Mm-hmm. Um, but I generally li- I like a good anthology. Like I think it's a great premise for a show. I think it's a great engine for for story. And uh, and I'll always kind of tune in and see what they're doing and how they're doing it. And when it's great, it's as good as anything else on TV. Um, so yeah, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'll dip my tallywhacker into a into a Doctor Pool. Uh, uh, sounds so fucking filthy and sexy. Uh, oh, yeah. Will Wilkins, you know, um, the good old Will, um, mm. who, uh, hosts Netheads. If you don't fuck with Netheads, why not? <laughs> um, he is a, a Hoovian and he says, yes, it has been very progressive, most under Russell T. Davies, and he's back. Mm. Um, man, he's a fan. He also said, Mark, don't fuck with doctors, man. <laughs> well, here's my problem with doctors. <laughs> I make a doctor's appointment, and if I'm late for my doctor's appointment by 15 minutes, they will charge me for the time of the doctor's appointment and cancel the appointment on me. If I show up on time, that doctor is not in to see me for an hour and a half, usually. They can be late, but I can't be late. Who like who is the customer here and who is who is the 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 provider? Like the customer's right, motherfucker. Like, be here when I'm here. 
Preach, old man. Now shake your hand at a cloud. Get off my lawn! <laughs> um, and, uh, somebody wrote, uh, Mark Ashley in chat wrote, no, Star Trek was never shoving the allegory down your throat. Um, I Really? Because I always felt, as a kid, you know, I used to, like, when Star I'm horrible to admit, but when Star Trek came on, like I would turn it off because I was like, mm, "This is yeah. too." When Frank Gorshin is playing two guys, uh, <laughs> twins who like have one side of their faces is white and one side is black, and the other ones, the right side is white and the left side is black, and they're like, "I hate him because he got black on the wrong side of his face." Like, yeah, man, it's about race. Like, half the Twilight Zone is about race and privilege and sexism, classism, communism. Like, name an ism. That's what the Twilight Zone was about. Star Trek was too, you guys, just because it was costumed up and there were laser beams. But when fucking William Shatner kisses Uhura, that's a big fucking deal. With Uhura being on the bridge and, and having a place of prominence, that's a big fucking deal. With an Asian dude as the, the pilot of your starship, it's a big fucking deal. You know, because you were nine and didn't see it doesn't mean it wasn't there. All of these shows were progressive because they were all from people who were outcasts in life, who those are the ones who want to push for a better, more inclusive world, not the centrists. They like it as it is. Uh, I'm going to hop off my soapbox, my space box. You're allowed. It's your birthday. You're allowed to say these things. Uh, it is eight minutes from nine o'clock here on the West Coast, which means it is eight minutes from midnight on the East Coast, and midnight on the East Coast brings us to the 29th, which is Mark's birthday. Indeed. So eight more minutes, eight more minutes. Come on, JC, we can't get a clock going in that. <laughs> Bam, man, where's our countdown clock that we just decided we needed? Bam, minutes, I'll, I'll, fresh I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I'm going <laughs> to try to get it up. Not necessary, but yes, eight, uh, seven minutes now. Mark will be minutes. a 52 years young man. I'll um, be like a reboot of the DC universe. I'll be the new 52. Oh my God. That's right. It's you. <laughs> and hopefully you'll be more successful. They replaced, <laughs> they replaced that new 52 with another universe and then replaced it again. I think. Yeah. It's like new 52 didn't work. Now you die. Yeah, hey, that just turned... Welcome to the new 53. No new 54. Fuck. Uh -uh. Um, Six minutes. Don't you fresh your own? That's right. You got news? We got some news, baby. Let's hear about that news. Um, Viva the Boys Mexico. Did you see the news? There's going to be a boys spinoff called Boys Mexico. Was it the two kids from E2 Mama Tambien? Diego Luna and Gael Garcia Bernal are set to executive produce and are considering taking on acting roles, though neither would be major, according to Deadline. It's coming from Blue Beetle writer Gareth Donet Alcocer. I'll pretend that's how it's pronounced. According to Deadline, a search is currently underway for a co-showrunner to join uh, Danae Alcacer, who's now working on the script, the team behind The Boys Mexico, which will be shot in the Latin American country, is currently working on budgets for the new series, and they have yet to begin casting. Um, 
there is not much to be said plot-wise about what it is or who it's who it's from besides them. And Eric Kripke is, of course, overseeing it all. Uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg's Point Grey is producing. Um, but yeah, The Boys continues to be the well from which uh, much of Amazon Prime's success springs. Amazon's um, like, we got one! They Annie pots it. There's a clock up, man. Check it out. Oh, damn, there it is! We're less than five minutes till Mark turns fifty-two, kids, and you're gonna watch up. You're gonna, you will believe a man can age <laughs> <laughs> right in front of your eyes. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the old dude from fucking uh, the Last Crusade when the clock turns. Like only the white hair will come streaming out of my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> he chose poorly. Um, take us into the news. Uh, next news item beyond the boys, Mexico, which, Hey, I'm, I'm here for, I understand the, the, the pull of it. And anytime you can widen the scope of a, of an IP, give it a go guys, give it a fucking go. Yeah. Um, we had talked at great length, I think, uh, at the last episode or the episode before it about the problems facing Marvel vis-a-vis Kang. Um, whether or not you completely move on from Kang and jump straight to, to the Fantastic Four, whether or not the Kang dynasty is about the Jonathan Majors version of Kang or another variant who we haven't seen yet, so you're recasting. Maybe um, Gugu and Batha Raw's Renslayer is actually a Kang variant and she becomes your villain, which I'm particularly fond of because I think she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe that movie just goes away entirely. But... As of yesterday, uh, Michael Waldron, um, who uh, is currently working on Avengers Secret Wars, has now been tapped to write the prequel to that, uh, The Kang Dynasty. So the next two Avenger movies will be written by the same guy. Um, he was also the person who wrote Doctor Strange in the, in the Multiverse of Madness, as well as the showrunner of Loki Season 1. Um, so maybe this movie's not dead after all. Um, given that they just hired a person to hop aboard and write it. Um, they it's kind of even... the idea of skipping the Kang dynasty and going right into Secret Wars, man. Yeah. you know, Or it's entirely possible they changed the name of the movie or they already have and just haven't told us yet. Um, or, yeah, they're just sticking with Kang and Kang is going to be the guy and they will do a lot of heavy lifting to make us fear the coming of the Kang dynasty, which I don't think an audience does yet. Stop, um, trying, stop trying to make Kang happen. <laughs> Not happening yet. Um, uh, he's happening. He's, he's happening. He ain't going nowhere. He was uh, the, the, the um, did we talk about, did you finally see the end of Loki? Yeah. I did, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Felt like Kang... they wrapped Kang up in the end of that, though, where they were like, well, we'll keep our eye on that guy, but not in the way of like, you know, he's coming back. Felt right. Like, yeah, it was never like Thanos is coming. It was yeah. more like, well, there's a Thanos, and he's currently totally happy and content, whatever planet he's on. So uh, it is one minute and 57, uh, six, 55 seconds, less than two minutes till Mark hits 52. Mark, what can you tell these fine folks at home about being half a century old plus two years? <laughs> My uh, my grandfather would ask me every birthday that I had, like, so how does it feel? And granted, he was born in the year 1900. And so would be asking me these questions when I was turning like 15. And like, 
You don't give a shit about shit when you're turning 15. It's like, I don't know, granddad feels like I felt yesterday. Like, everything is great. My body is a temple. I can do, I can run and jump and bend and pick up whatever I want and lift things. And the world is my oyster. It's going to open for me like a magnificent vagina. Um, now at 52, yes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little bit different. <laughs> it's a little bit, you know, uh, you've learned some shit. You've done some shit. You know, it, it, the, the, the lesson that I have learned in my dotage is that is less the things you get to do and more the people you get to do them with. Um, it, uh, it is never the places, it's always the faces. God damn it. Soon. <laughs> there it is. Um, kids, less than 30 seconds, 25 seconds uh, until Mark takes the big jump <laughs> till my uh, my palm begins to blink and i will be called back to the motherboard he's <laughs> <laughs> going to regenerate he's going to face yeah. the change it's going to be david tennant here it is seven seconds yeah Five, a, four, four three two one literally happy new year yeah we did it park, the 52nd of such i am 52 yeah, in the bronx that's all I'll say. Watch your hip. Uh, <laughs> look at that. Chat's alive with happy birthday. Aww. Oh, they love their Mark. Y'all's are the sweetest. Um, they can't get enough. Look at them. Oh, from all around the globe, from the UK. From There's the one dude globe, in China. From China. From uh, from all over the globe, kids. Feliz cumpleaños. Grazie. Grazie mille. Gracias. Um, all right, back to the news, old man. Back to the news. Um, Dave Filoni has been named new chief creative officer at Lucasfilm. Whose job did he take? Did he um, take his job? He did not take anybody's job. It seems to be a, a, a newly created position uh, just for him. Uh, according to Filoni and uh, Vanity Fair, which broke the news, in the past, in a lot of projects that would be brought into it, I would see it after it had already been developed a good ways. Um, now he'll be involved in the early development on Star Wars projects, working with Kathy Kennedy as the head of Lucasfilm and head of development, Carrie Beck. Um, oh, that's, uh, Carrie, I mean, she's been working on all the Star Wars things for, for a while now and stuff. She works at Lucasfilm and she has her own, you know, fucking career and stuff, but mm -hmm. she is also married to a friend of mine, Brian Lynch. Oh, look at that. Yeah. So every that's, time uh, I one of them shows, I'm like, I know her. Like she and <laughs> Lynch, their first date was here at this house and stuff. They've been married. They got a kid, Henry, and whatnot. Yeah, that's awesome. Works on all those Star Wars shows and whatnot. And he mm -hmm. writes the Minions movies. And he does. He's a he's a he's a big time animation writer. He is man. He's talented. Yeah. Fucking prolific yeah. as hell, man. Puts you to shame in terms of like making you feel like you're a writer because it's like he writes like ten scripts before breakfast and shit, and then each <laughs> one of them are like fully legit. You could shoot them. They're fucking brilliant. He's a, he's a very talented individual. Um, it was announced back in April at Star Wars Celebration that Dave Filoni is developing a live action feature to direct, one that is said to tie together the time period between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, and will presumably feature some of the characters from both the Clone Wars and Ahsoka, um, and the Mandalorian for that matter. Oh, wow. 
Does it look just like me? It's a it's a stunning likeness. Me as a Mr. Potato Head, kids. <laughs> Been around thirty years. I entered the I've entered the culture. I'm a pop tater, man. You, look at that. You can take my face off and shit. Um, according to Filoni, I am not telling people what to do, but I do feel I'm trying to help them tell the best story that they do want to tell. I need to be help across the galaxy here, like a part of the Jedi Council. Um, very on, on brand. Very on brand. All of which I think is to say that if you like the current iteration of Star Wars on TV um, as sort of... I do. As, you know, sort of guided by Dave Filoni in his previous role as, you know, mentor and keeper of the Force and and the, the sage in the ways of Lucas, then you'll get more of that. Um, if you are not um, thrilled with some of the later iterations of Star Wars on TV, you'll get more of that. Um, so, hey, like, bully for you, or, hey, we'll, we'll survive. And he's just a dude who got a new job, and hopefully will make Star Wars better. I gotta tell you, I, you know, I think they should maybe take a page out of the forthcoming Marvel book, and you know, I, I mean, I guess they're now just committed to like Star Wars as a TV show as opposed to a theatrical cinematic experience. I mean, I know he's talking about making a movie, but maybe, maybe you know, a few less shows, maybe a few more movies. I don't know. I mean, they still have the the upcoming, the forthcoming Ray movie that was announced uh, a while back that they're returning to that character as she starts a new Jedi Order post Rise of Skywalker, and whatever version of of the the Filoni movie, whatever that's going to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, Star Wars, and we're going to get another season of Andor. Like a, the trailer leaked for season two of Andor on I saw on on X. The other day, and uh, I I all you do have to do is say Star Wars three times. <laughs> uh, I know what I'm doing after the show. Tell um, me. <laughs> I'm gonna go watch Andor, and then I need I'm to go you jerk about off that thing. <laughs> did uh, uh, did you guys see the news? Maybe I'm jumping the gun, but uh, Pedro Pascal said I think he's done with Mandalorian. But it's like him saying, I'm done being the physical actor, but I'll do the voice because it's the easiest job in, in the world. I don't think he's going to do the voice anymore either. I thought I saw wow. a news story, Star Wars L. Well, maybe it's, maybe it's one of those fake news sites that I saw. I mean, yeah. what an easy gig. Yeah, Why walk away from it? You don't even have to be the guy anymore. Like it's John Wayne's grandson in the suit, right? Yeah, Brandon yeah. Although it looks like now I'm looking at it, it looks like it's uh, one of those fake news sites that I saw. <laughs> Making <that>. shit. <laughs> Clickbait. Clickbait. Um, I mean, I did see that there was all of this. Like there was the a, a news bit or a rumor that broke that he's being eyed to play uh, Reed Richards mm -hmm. in Fantastic Four, which nobody has confirmed yet. Um, Marvel hasn't confirmed. Disney hasn't confirmed. He hasn't said anything about it. But one of the you know, paragraph four of that potentially fake news story was like pending his ability to negotiate his schedule <laughs> as yeah. like the lead of Last of Us season two and and the Mandalorian. Does he actually have time 
to be Reed Richards for, for the foreseeable future and whatever two or three other things he's got lined up that he's committed to. Um, but yeah, I mean, of them all, the Mando is the lightest lift because it's like, I'm going to get on the phone and dial in <laughs> my dialogue and uh, I'll be on set. I'll go to Manhattan Beach for a week and shoot what I need to shoot for the season when I take the mask off. I mean, is he even going to do that? Or does he just like use the James Earl Jones AI thing for me? <laughs> just <laughs> send me one of those new SAG checks. Yeah. Like, it's also not a big acting challenge to just say, uh, hey, where's the kid? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, By the Creed, I got to bathe in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Yeah. I know what that means. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, Fantastic forecasting rumor mill has been on fire lately. Um, they've been saying Pedro Pascal for Mr. Fantastic. There's a Vanessa Kirby for mm. for Sue Storm. Um, but we were just talking about <clears throat> the bear before and the guy who plays Richie. They're talking about him for um, the thing. Yeah. Eben, Eben Moss Backrack, I think his name is. Um. um I mean, I buy it. That dude's great. I I love him in the bear. Uh, Joshua Mundhall uh, Mundhall is asking in chat: Smokshin rescheduled for January twentieth, maybe possibly Sundance Clerk celebration. Um, yeah, we've had to reschedule a bunch of things that we were supposed to be doing at Smodcastle in December because of what happened with Jen. Um, but most of them are getting rescheduled, including uh, Smokshin, which is like just an auction, live auction. Um, Batman Returns we're going to be showing. Um, that had to be moved from December. Um, and uh, what was the other thing? Um, Zach and Miri screening that got moved. And, um, oh, I think in January we're going to be doing the Clerks Open an All Night Marathon. Mm. Where you can watch Clerks, Clerks 2, and Clerks 3 in your pajamas. You stay all night. We start at midnight. We're 11.58. So we can get in under the midnight ordinance that Atlantic Highlands has and then watch all three movies. And uh, it's going to be around, you know, the 30th anniversary of us going to Sundance. So that's going to be fucking cool. Tickets for those will be going up in the next few weeks. It's modcastlecinemas.com. Back to you, Mark, with the news. Uh, Timothy Oliphant, the great and powerful Timothy Oliphant, Oliphant has been cast... Well, fantastic. He's been cast in Noah Hawley's Alien TV show. Um, so that Noah Hawley is the guy that is, does Fargo. Indeed. And so yeah. that alien thing is happening. Well, that alien thing is happening. I think it's currently in production. Um, and I think it might have even been shooting during the strike because it's it's shooting overseas. Like A lot of the actors are like actors' equity instead of SAG, so it's all a little muddy and fuzzy. But... Um, but yeah, it's it's back up and running in Thailand, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. According to this news bit from Variety, production on the show began in Thailand on July 19th, four days after the start of the actor's strike, without any SAG members. It continued for more than a month with cast who were affiliated with, with the British Equity Trade Union. Um, let's see, apparently this show uh, is a prequel to Alien, I think. Um, details about Oliphant's character are not being disclosed, um, but according to the rumor mill, 
i.e. Deadline. He's playing Kirsch, a synth who acts as a mentor and a trainer for a character who's a hybrid, a metahuman who has the brain and consciousness of a child, but the body of an adult. Hmm? I just want somebody to work for Waylon Yutani. If they don't do that, then it's not my alien. Amen. Amen. Um, so weird, man, that like, I, you know, on one hand, I'm a fan, so I'm like, oh, my God, give me an Aliens TV show. But on the other hand, if everything becomes a TV show, like, how do you put that genie back in the bottle? You know, if you're giving them Aliens on TV, will they ever go back into a theater to see Aliens? Um, well, there's also an Alien feature that's coming down the pike that's been directed by Fede Alvarez. It's already um, done? It's already done. I think Ridley Scott has seen it and has given his blessing. And it takes place between Alien and Aliens. Oh, so it's... That's an interesting yeah. concept. When's that Post, um, I, I mean, next year at some point. I don't think they have a release date for it yet. But if I had to guess, I'd say like spring of 24. Um, but yeah, post-Nostromo, pre-Sulaco. Um, I don't think Ripley is involved in it because she would have been... Um, still in suspended animation, but I think that's the one where you get fucking aliens in it. I think that, you know, this Noah Hawley show may or may not have any xenoforms, xenomorphs. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Noah oh, Hawley also do um, the show that um, Cat Ears is always trying to get me to watch Legion. He did. Oh, Jamie Cat Ears. I know. It's been a minute since we've seen... I know. We, we got close, if not for... Uh, Curse my metal body. It wasn't fast enough. Old man back. <laughs> it's been buckling under the weight of the world. Um, the Spinal Tap sequel, 40 years later. Uh, Rob Reiner, director, writer, and star of This is Spinal Tap, uh, has spoken on a podcast most recently saying, we're making a sequel. We're going to start shooting at the end of February, and everybody is back. And he also teased that Paul McCartney, Elton John, Garth Brooks and a few other surprises would be making cameos in the field in the film. Um, and it's most likely that he's going to return as Marty DeBerge, a filmmaker who is chronicling the lives of the band during whatever leg of whatever tour they're on now. And when it, they're, you're saying they're going into production soon, February, we're going I'm to start shooting it. in the end of February. I'm all for it. Like the, uh, you know, I, 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 I love Spinal Tap. I, I love Christopher Guest. I watch him do anything. I think those three guys together are always good. Remember when they did a Mighty Wind and they played folks? Yeah. Um, um, I wonder if Frank Drescher will be back. Wow. <laughs> um, was the world, how's the world reacting to Is the internet up in arms like bullshit or are they welcoming it? Um, I, it, so far, I have not seen a ton of buzz about it. Um, it might it might be one of those things that is a cult film to a certain generation, and that generation is no longer film Twitter, yeah. you know? And so, like, film Twitter doesn't quite seem to care as much as, say, we do, because it was this seminal film that you, like, passed around VHSs of in high school. Like, you gotta fucking see this. This is crazy. He's got an armadillo in his trousers, but it's really just... A fucking cucumber wrapped in tin foil. Um, that's good. That's good. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it comes and goes. Sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's shitty. Poisonous Plants 15 in chat said, Noah Hawley literally confirms Xenomorphs are in the show when it was announced two years ago. Outstanding. Oh, I watched, uh, Mean Dave said, either of you guys watched the Albert Brooks doc. I did. Have you watched it? As did I. Oh, I love it. Also watched the, I think, I don't know if I talked about this last episode, but did you watch the Sylvester Stallone doc? Did we talk about it? I did. I think I did. I mentioned it. Um, Bam. I think you did. I watched it. Uh, did we, we hit talk it about last it? week. Yeah, we hit Sly at the end of last show. I fucking loved it, man. But in any event, what was the one I mentioned right before that? Albert, Albert Brooks. Brooks. Albert Brooks. Fantastic documentary. Yeah. Um, even if, like, it's crazy how much I forgot, like, oh, my God, that's right. He is a taxi driver. Like, yeah. Yeah. The, the bit that, that sort of, A, the story of his father's death blew me the fuck away. Like... I didn't, I mean, I'm not an Albert Brooks scholar. There's quite a bit about him that I didn't know. And so getting to revisit a lot of those early bits that I just, like I came to him with, with, with um, defending your life and finding Nemo and like would sort of see him do like little bits and pieces. But all of that early 70s shit, all of the like Tonight Show stuff was like, I would never rehearse any of it. Like I'd come up with an idea, I'd think about it backstage and then Johnny would say, well, here's Albert Brooks, and I'd come out and I'd do a thing. Um, I didn't. I never had like a hot five. I never, I, all of it was sort of extemporaneous and improv and ballsy. Um, but yeah, it was that and the Saturday Night Live stuff. When he was like, yeah, Lauren Michaels asked me to host the whole the show in perpetuity, wanted me to be the permanent host. And I'm like, eh, maybe Albert, you should. You know, Albert Brooks and the not ready for primetime players. But he was the one that was like, you should have rotating hosts. Yeah, you should have a guest host every week. <laughs> oh, not a bad idea. Um, but I will give you filmed bits, you know, six of them in the first season. And that would become a thing that they did for the next 45 years of just, we're going we're gonna to do the live stuff and then we're going to cut the shit that we shot beforehand. And if not for Albert Brooks, neither of those would have been parts of the the sort of language of SNL. Mean Dave says, watch the Bob Einstein doc, too, if you haven't, because uh, Bob Einstein was Super Dave Osborne, mm-hmm. was Albert Brooks's brother. Because Albert Brooks's sure. last name is really Einstein. His mm-hmm. name was Einstein. So cute story <laughs> in the documentary. Um, that was definitely worth watching, though. Uh, yeah. Check out that. Albert Brooks documentary on Max, I think it's on. Yeah. Like I went, I went, I spent a little bit of time in a like celebrity documentary hole, um, which is very easy to, to, to sink into because it's all nostalgia. It's just all of the shit that you kind of remember, but then the stories behind it that you never knew. Like I started watching the Robbie Williams documentary on Netflix. And like, I was never a big Robbie Williams fan, but, like the odyssey of like former boy band gone solo becoming super famous in the UK and then crashing and burning. Like that shit is always kind of fascinating. And like, Oh, I remember that. I remember that song. Ooh. Here's when he dated, you know, fucking baby spice. Like barely everybody in Britain had to go with a spice girl. If you were famous enough, you could date a spice girl for a little bit. Um, that stuff is always fascinating to me. Um, Maggie Orlean in chat keeps asking, did I like meeting the Mayhem cast, the cast of the Electric Mayhem? Absolutely. Um, it was working with Muppets, even for like the brief time I did, was absolutely magical. It's crazy how 
guy sticking a hand into a fucking cloth thing brings it to life to the point <laughs> where you're not even talking to the person operating the Muppet. You're just talking to the Muppet looking into its eyes. Uh, but uh, they announced that uh, they're not moving forward with another season. I didn't even know that was an option. Um, yeah. I felt like a one-off to me. But um, yeah, so they're not moving forward with another Dr. Teeth and the Electric Man season. But Adam Goldberg, who is, you know, the force, one of the major forces behind that series said, hey, man, but I'm, I'm not leaving them Muppets alone. He didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I must stick my hand up some asses. Yeah, he's like, I ain't done jam my hand up a Muppet's ass. So he'll be uh, um, working on new Muppet stuff going forward. It's awesome. Yeah. There should always be Muppets on the air. Um, well, next, I'm going to watch, uh, somebody says Eddie Murphy as well. There's not an Eddie Murphy doc, is there? I don't believe so, no. I'll watch Man. the fuck out of it. He's Wait. got a movie coming, like a Christmas movie. I look forward to yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. I, be I believe it's Eddie Murphy's son is dating Martin Lawrence's daughter. Did you see that? I read that, yeah. <laughs> and he was talking about like hanging out with them on Thanksgiving. Can you imagine that Thanksgiving? Like yeah. the Lawrence. Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Murphy household <laughs> on Thanksgiving. Um, you wouldn't, your face would hurt from, it would be like when the Joker gives somebody Joker venom, they have a rictus grin. <laughs> just be laughing the whole time. Yeah. Or it would be like, listen, are there any cameras here? No. Is anybody paying us? No. Then you don't get any funny. Just oh, fucking right. sit there and eat your turkey. Can't imagine. <laughs> funny people like fucking competitive too. Like, I remember being at a photo shoot when I was at the Hollywood Reporter, and we were doing a photo shoot with with Key and Peele, with with Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peele, and this was when their show was still on the air. Like it was like season two of Key and Peele, and there was a big like breakouts or or whatever the fuck we were calling it. And so we had this like they were dressed in like white suits, and we were going to do a thing where it's, like, it's funny, and there's a table full of props for them to like be funny with and like big rubber hammer and a mallet and wrenches and like the little TNT Acme bomb shit and watching them stand at the table and, and dissect what was on it and decide what would be the funniest was like surgeons talking about how they're going to attack a fucking gallbladder. I was like, well, you could pick up the rubber chicken and then I'll pick up the giant scissors. But then if you pick up the ping pong and I have like a bunch of balls in my mouth, like it was, it was deadly serious about comedy that like they were not like being funny it was we're at work <laughs> we'll be funny when it's time to be funny when the cameras are rolling you get the funny but otherwise it's you and me just in the fucking lab uh touching back on eddie murphy did you see the picture of him as axel foley from Beverly yeah Hall i mean I, I got crazy unnecessarily excited by <laughs> it. it's essentially just eddie murphy but like i was like oh my god it's happening it's happening I know. It's like, I've seen Beverly Hills Cops 2 and 3. Like, I should not be excited for 4. Yet I am. And I, yet I, I am. Somebody wrote an article online. I don't know which website it was, but they were like, could, uh, you know, could Beverly Hills Cop 4 be the top gun of comedy? Wow. And I was like, that's not a bad stretch. I'm sure somebody in chat will tell me who wrote that article. I uh, mean, there was the Beverly Hills Cop TV show that never went, the pilot of which he was in. Um, but in a like, I don't know how that doesn't get made unless it's an awful pilot, which it very well may have. 
but I'm still here, man. Louis, Louis Rodriguez or Louis Rodriguez said, uh, the boy who lived doc on max was really moving. There's a documentary that, uh, Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe, Radcliffe, uh, did about what his stunt double who was injured during the movie. Yeah. I think during one of the deathly hollows, like suffered an accident, like took a bad fall and I think broke his back. And, and so he made a documentary about this guy. Like, what do you do after that? Like what happens, you know, when you're, when the thing you thought you were going to do for the rest of his life is not in the cards anymore. Mm. Uh, haven't seen it. Like I'm very curious about it, but that sounds like a terribly tragic slash uplifting, optimistic story. The writer's uh, strike is over and SAG said, Hey, we're, we we're, we come to, you know, terms as well. But did SAG do their vote and sign their thing yet or no? Um, the last day of ratifying for them is December 5th, I believe. Um, so they are not, they're not completely settled, um, with the studios and there are, as there always are, um, there's, there's a, there's a healthy, I'm hoping a minority of dissent with what the deal contains. There's a lot of sort of vote no and vote yes. And people are just not happy with the deal um, and are encouraging people not to ratify it and to go back to the, the negotiating table with the studios. I don't know if they're gonna call another strike or not. Um, I don't know if it's gonna pass or not. I don't think anybody has a, has a clue as to what's gonna happen, but a town that was just about to go back to work is currently a little bit on pins and needles about like, so are we done? Are we not done? Thought we were done. <laughs> yeah. So can an actor act yet or no? Um, they can. The, the strike has been called off. Actors can go back to work, but they're currently going back to work under the old contract because the new one has yet to be ratified. Um, but we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, a lot of movies and TV shows are back up and running, which, you know, they may not call another strike because, you know, I don't know what the support would be for another strike. I don't know if the other guilds would be out in support of another strike. Like, I don't think the writers are going to go back on the picket line with them. I don't know if if the if if the animation guilds or IATSE or the Teamsters or. Anything. I don't know. This is a brave new world of union negotiations, but I don't know. And I don't know the entirety of why people are unhappy with it beyond potentially. Um, I think the AI protections are not stiff enough for some folks, um, but we haven't seen, at least I haven't as a, not a member of SAG has not seen the full deal yet. I don't know what's in the new contract, so I don't know exactly what people are unhappy about, but you know, knock on wood that people come to, a resolution of the differences. I believe in labor. Uh, says the working man right there, kids. You're here first. Hot take, Mark. Believe. <laughs> um, I am just uh, checking texts from the patient upstairs, if you will. How is she feeling? Does she need some soup? She's good. No, she's good. She's <laughs> like, you're still doing your show. And I was like, it's not my show. It's all of them. <laughs> it's the world show. <laughs> I do this for the people. Yeah, really. Come on, man. Um, all right. All right. What else we got? Um, finally, the last story of the news is hard to call it a sad one. I always have a difficult time um, 
when we talk about a person of an advanced age who's passed away but had lived a life full of wonder and joy and brought wonder and joy to people. But Marty Croft, producer of uh, hit shows like H.R. Puffin Stuff, The Brady Bunch Hour, Banana Splits, and Land of the Lost, has died at the age of 86. Um, 86? That's how old he got? 86, yeah. What an inventive, creative person this was. Him and, was his brother or cousin? His brother, his old brother, Sid. The brother, Sid. Sid and Marty Croft were, you know, without them, my childhood would have been a lot less interesting, colorful. Um, these cats just produced like crazy inventive children's programming um, that, you know, in an era of cartoons, lots of cartoons, they held up like a mirror to the audience. Like you could see yourself hanging out with fucking Sigmund the sea monster and stuff. Um, just like Johnny and Scott. Um, or, you know, you could find yourself fucking blowing a magic flute. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could. You could, like witchy poo and shit. Like There's fucking no... Thanksgiving at my house, we're blowing this magic flute again. That said Marty Croft, man, like one of my lamest jokes in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back was Marshall Will and Holly. And that's <laughs> Marshall Will and Holly on a routine expedition. And the greatest earthquake ever known. Land of the lost, kids. Yeah, um, yeah. Far out space nuts. The lost. Bugaloos. The Bugaloos. Lidsville. Of course, HR Puffin stuff where you go when things get rough, which is like exactly as filthy as I meant it. <laughs> um, just crazy amount of fucking shows. Yeah. Donnie and Marie. The Brady Bunch Hour, Pink Lady and Jeff, Barbara Mandrell and the Mandrell Sisters. Oh, God, I used to watch that show all the time, too. I forgot Prior's the, Place. Daytime, the nighttime variety shows as well. Yeah, Prior's yeah. Place, DC Follies. What? Prior's Place. That was the show that got a lot of fucking awards and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like Pee Wee's Playhouse kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, in 2003, they were awarded the Lifetime Career Award at the Saturn Awards. Um, in 2018, Marty and his brother received the Lifetime Achievement Emmy Award from the National Academy of TV Arts and Sciences. And in 2020, they received a star on the Walk of Fame in celebration of their golden anniversary. Um, man, what a... What a wonderful time it was to grow up. Yeah, you know, and like the 70s were a crazy time in television. Um, we're like, what are we going to do? We're going to fucking make a costume in the back of this factory. We're going to put a dune in it and we're going to shoot 100 episodes of children's TV. What's it going to be? A fucking sea monster. All right, cool. Let's roll. Let's fucking do it. Like, you can't make TV like that anymore. Um, it, it costs too much. You know, there's too many, uh, you know, shareholder approvals and 98 levels of ratification and all that stuff. But these two were just like, fuck it. Do it. They're the Boogaloos. What are the Boogaloos? I don't know. Nobody knows. Just go. Uh, as a kid, you felt like, um, you know, oh, my God, these shows are amazing. As an adult, you're like, wow, a lot of these shows seem like they were like, it's <laughs> Smoke them if you got them. Just big hats. That's all it is. Big Dr. fucking Dr. He's a madman with an evil mind. 
He shrinks. He's right in the name. <laughs> Listen, one level. It's a kid's show. There can't be multiple levels happening here. His name is Sigmund. He's a sea monster. What does he do? A sea monster, you guys. Yeah. And they're friends. And they're friends. Don't overthink it. Um, good times, man. Oh, somebody put Gangsta Jedi pointed out in chat. Bigfoot and Wild Boy. Remember that? Bigfoot Wild Boy. I love that show. I think they did. Did they do? No. Were they Bigfoot and Wild Boy? Yeah. That's not Lou Scheimer, right? Like the ISIS and Shazam. That was that was not. Yeah. Sid and Marty Croft. That was like Scheimer, the circle logo that was on the. The Scheinhardt Wig Corporation. Remember, like, uh, Fat Albert had that fucking circle logo, those two names, Lou Scheimer and somebody else. I, I believe they were involved with uh, Masters of the Universe, if I remember. Mm -hmm. um, well, thank you, Mr. Croft. Remember the Croft Superstars? Yeah. Pool and the Kongs? <laughs> um, see. Yeah, said Marty Croft. Fucking Bigfoot and Wild Boy. Wow. Um, there it is. Fucking big part of our show. Is his brother still around or no? His brother is said is still alive. Good. Um, survived by his brother. And like and there's another brother, Harry, and then a bunch of kids and a couple of grandkids. Um yeah, that is that is a legacy. You know, you've affected a series of childhoods for the better. Not a bad way to go. Kabuki Kid in chat says, loved how Puffin Stuff had a dead arm because the guy in the suit had to move the mouth. Also the way that Big Bird works. Mm. <laughs> There's but, with so many people in a bird. Yeah. It's just got, it's, one of the arms just hangs there. He's like a Bob Dole with the one arm and shit, but the other hand goes <laughs> like, <laughs> like a bump. <laughs> Remember he used to have the pen in that hand? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happened to my dad after a stroke as well. He was, we'd call him Big Bird because one arm was just like there. <laughs> like a Bob Dole. Good old dad. Oh. But that is the end of the news, my friend. There it is, kids. There's the fucking news. Y'all wanted it. Got it. Oh. Did, did you guys see the Taika news? What is um, it? He said the one where he said he did Thor Ragnarok because he was broke and needed the money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then went on to say, like, Thor's the Same stupidest. Most people do porn. I was broke and I needed the money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, I just had my second kid. I figured this would be a good way to feed them babies. I think was the <laughs> quote. And then he's yeah. like, he's like, Thor is the worst character. They only hired me because they were out of other people. I was like, well. <laughs> Uh, it reminds me of a, there's a Patton Oswalt bit where he talks about like Nickelback and, and being a young fan of music. And it's like, yeah, you guys are just in it for the money and the pussy. It's like, that's why everybody does everything <laughs> for money and pussy. Like, how is that selling out? True. True. Does anybody do anything for dick? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I don't, but... You under my presidency, you would if you wanted a turkey. <laughs> you know, fucking gobble that knob right there. 
I mean, without a sponsor. I remember before fucking Silent Bob was president, we didn't have to suck off these turkeys. <laughs> this is fucking raw. What a raw deal. <laughs> Just gobble, gobble, baby. <laughs> gobble, fucking gobble. Get we back got, down there. We got bait, man. I was just going to say, without a sponsor tonight, we're doing the show for free. That's very true. Good point, man. Truer words were never spoken. So take that, Taika Watiti. Would you do a <laughs> two-hour and 15-minute podcast for free and counting? I don't think so. We're up to? Yeah, it's going to be a short show tonight because there's no sponsor. <laughs> we always spend so much time on the sponsor. Haji... Uh, H O D G E Y S Y L 81 says, bring back comic book men, bring comic book men back. Oh, I would love to. I don't have any say in that. That was AMC was like, you could, you could fuck off now. No, they were very nice. They were like, we did seven seasons. That's it. Ironically enough, like every season I was like, there's no way they fucking renew this show. And they kept renewing it. And I was always shocked. And then I had that heart attack and I was like, well, we know they're renewing the show this year because there's no way they would ever cancel it now that I've had a heart attack one month later. <laughs> they're like, you all right? You back from that heart attack? Are you sitting down? We're canceling your fucking show. <laughs> I was never mad or anything. I was always like, I can't believe we got as many seasons, seven seasons. I wish they would put it out on Blu-ray, though. Um, you know, I'm a physical media guy. Like, I'm sure they actually canceled the show like a month before they told you and they were just waiting until you were on the mend enough. It was like, hey, yes. listen, we can't tell him now. Like, we canceled it the day he had the heart attack. He just had a heart attack. <laughs> um, all right. What do we uh, what do we got? We got questions there, JC? Yeah, we got some questions. Um, the 757 Hustle Show wanted to know. Wait. We're just diving into these questions. Jesus. Yeah, you want to go in? Yeah, we're, we're we getting get... into the questions, kids. Now the Q&A part begins. Three questions, then we get the fuck out of here. They better all be birthday-oriented, considering <laughs> special birthday edition. Mr. Mark Bernard, if you've just tuned in late, has turned 52 years old today, kids. While the show was happening, right yes. on the show. On the East Coast. Technically, my birthday is the 29th, but it is the 29th in, uh, in New York City. And so. in the UK and all those other places that aren't Los Angeles. Mm. And I'm a little pissed that nobody from the future calls me and warns me about shit. Like, hey, you know what? We saw the news over here. It's going to be fucked up in three hours. Yeah, really. Where's the you should hell? leave. <laughs> um, what do we got? What do we got? All right. Uh, we don't have any birthday questions. Um, one person asked, which I guess we could answer, but I didn't think it was a very appropriate Q&A. They were like... Uh, what do you like best about Mark? I was like, well, I could answer that, and Kevin could probably answer that, but if Mark answers that, it's a trap. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, that's as close as we got to a birthday question. I like uh, my wrists. I've got good wrists. Never let me down. He's right. His wrists are great, and they've never let me down either. Yeah. I've been exercising them since I was 13. Yes. Yeah. Old fast. Um, all right uh 757 hustle show um from any franchise who would pair up with the doctor to ride around in the tardis so who would we pair up with the doctor to ride around in the tardis hmm 
Hmm. From outside a uh, different franchise. Uh, Darth Vader. Time Lord <laughs> and a Sith Lord. Called the Lords of Flatbush. <laughs> Oi, listen. Would you stop hacking everybody who opens the door? Strong. He, he fucking... Uh, the title refers to the fact that he uses lightsaber to trim somebody's fucking bush. <laughs> The so. trim lords of Flatbush. Lords of Flatbush. It's all about it's all about excellent. Um no, who would I pair up with Doctor Who? Um I'd create my own character. Doctor What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting out. Doctor What? Doctor fuck you. Yeah, fuck it, man. Why aren't they why aren't they like marketing this shit as the the query universe, right? Like they got a doctor who, you know how like fucking, uh, what's his name was like, Hey man, there's all these lanterns now, Jeff Johns. Like there's a thousand fucking lanterns, a yellow lantern, a red lantern and shit. Why can't they have a doctor who, a doctor, what a doctor, where a doctor, when, and a doctor, why the five doctors, nice. get five different shows, man. Like fucking this, this is what's going to happen in the Disney era. Isn't it? We're going to get like, <laughs> Yeah, and they've all got different color fucking uh, fucking magic screwdrivers. Yes. <laughs> uh, Russell Davies, call us. Me and Mark got ideas. We got it. Then we're gonna do lawyer who and like pilot who, and uh, and 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 chief inspector who. <laughs> Guess who? You cross it over with Doctor Seuss, like Doctor Who in Whoville. It's uh, doc- Guess Who is basically. Um, we give you little portions of their faces. You got to figure out which characters are which and shit. <laughs> Classic children's game. Guess who? Indeed. Um, all right. Wait. Did we? Did you answer the question? Darth Vader. Twenty four nine twelve just said Kevin just came up with a new Doctor show. It's true. He did. Telling you, man, the the Hooniverse could literally be Doctor Who. Yes, we've had him for sixty years, but. Mm-hmm. It's time to introduce Dr. Why, Dr. What, Dr. When, Dr. Which, Dr. How. Dr. How is the irritating one. He's like a doubting Thomas. Yeah. You know, the council of doctors is like, we're all in agreement. And he's like, why? And they're like, Ugh. That's, doc, that's Dr. Why. Like, Dr. Who's the one who wants to do shit, and everybody else is like, what? Yeah. Stop it, Dr. What. But Dr. Why yeah. is, Dr. Why is a toddler. We, you got to go to the bathroom before Why? we go to dinner. Why? 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 I'm like, ooh, I can't stand. He's a young doctor like that fucking Doogie Hauser. <laughs> the Daleks are coming. We've got to stop them. Why? Because they're going to take over the galaxy. Why? They they find out, like, hey, man, we thought all the Time Lords died, but guess what? Fucking four more of them were in like a pocket universe <laughs> in the phantom zone yes here's your fucking siblings dr what dr <laughs> why dr when dr which dr where yeah i think it regenerated in his pants I'm telling you man that and then there's a fucking then you build toward a doctor who uh, do, what are those is there a name for those words in the english language who what when where why um, I, I think there probably are. They're, they're like journalistic words. It's like the whatever the five W's or some shit like that. That's right. Position war. 
and then it would put them, he'd collect the five W's, put them on a glove. And then doctor, you know, all the doctors, only one could live. Right. And fucking, mm-hmm. so then you build out all these doctors and then collapse it all into the one doctor who, and everyone's happy again. Yeah. Except for the one, there's the one that didn't get collapsed, who then hates the other doctors. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, who would I put in the TARDIS with doctor who? Uh, Axel Foley. Suddenly, see, hey, it's always fun when you have a black person on a time travel show and they're like, not getting out of the fucking shit. Why? We're in 1950s Alabama. This is <laughs> a good place for me to be. Time travel is not as cool for me as it is for you. But also, like, can solve shit in, with ingenuity and humor. Did you just put a banana in the fucking U boat's tailpipe? Yeah, I did. <laughs> You're not going to fall for the banana and the TARDIS trick again? <laughs> um, right, Raymond Rogers in chat. Uh, Raymond Rogers in chat says they're called interrogatives. Ooh, interrogative opera, op, operative. That's pretty sweet, man. The interrogative. The Council of Interrogatives. Doctor Who, Doctor When, Doctor Why, Doctor Which, Doctor What, <laughs> Doctor Where. Yeah. They asked all the big questions in the universe. <laughs> Dude. Like, you thought it began and ended with who check out all the other interrogatives oh my god fucking this stop is talking stop talking no okay. look what you did you gotta get in touch with somebody over there <laughs> yeah dear bbc i got an idea <laughs> they're like come on you know how many times we've all discussed dr where dr why dr <laughs> yeah but see they called dr who on the mat for fucking up the universe He's the rogue doctor. Everybody else is playing by the rules. They've asked questions. Doctor Who feels like he's got too many answers. And that's the problem. And the each Who one, the, the TARDIS is a different color. Like blue, yellow, yes. green, red. Yeah. W- one of them is a toilet that's bigger on the inside. <laughs> the other one's a phone booth. The other one's a call box. The other ones are like a changing closet in a department store. See, now we're selling action figures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a shower stall. Um, all right. I like it. I uh, My pitch, I was going to say Dr. Doolittle because the TARDIS is bigger on the inside and you could do like a, a second Noah's Ark movie where he's like, we got to get all these animals somewhere, Dr. Doolittle. And you know, Doctor Who shows up and he's like, I know the place. And they all go into the TARDIS. Um, <laughs> but I think the better option is a Bill and Ted. Mm. Nice. Nice. Excellent poll. Um, top notch. Uh, okay, question number two. Adam <laughs> Dalton. Uh, says, thank you all for being positive, even when you are critical of the things we love. How would you recommend others do the same without falling into the YouTube fanning the flame death trap? Meaning, uh, how when we hate something, how do we say we don't like it without being negative and getting lots of clicks? Wait, what? So how how do we not go negative? How do we not go negative? Last last show, we talked about how we should just all go negative and get all the clicks. 
Oh, right. <laughs> how, how, how do we uh, express disappointment in a thing but still keep the show positive? What tips do we have to other creators out there? I just, uh, for me, my tip, I just don't talk about the shit I don't like. It's that simple. So if I see a thing and I'm like underwhelmed by it or I didn't like it, you just I just don't talk about it. Um, I got time for the things I like. And if I didn't like it, I just, you know, you'll rarely will you ever find out I didn't like a thing. But um, if I spend a little time talking about like, oh, it wasn't what I hoped or whatever. Fuck. You know, I'm always the first to be like, look, there are better directors than me and I could never make anything as good as this. But, uh, you know, it's sometimes if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Um, there's enough folks out there expressing every single thought out loud about every single fucking thing. Um, and that's what the Internet's for. That's what social media is for. But, you know, I... I I just don't talk about this stuff I don't like. Why give it air? Um, and why, like, you know, fucking... It, it, yeah, I know how hard it is to make a fucking thing. Even if I don't go for it, it's like I'm not going to belittle its existence, which, you know, was somebody's vision and this entire fucking crew got together and made this thing happen. And, you know, it, the, the fact that it ran... the gauntlet to find financing and stuff like you know I, I, just because it's not my thing don't mean i'm gonna spend any time shitting in its mouth i know there's an entire fucking economy on the internet and specifically on youtube that's about like i hate it don't you fucking hate it aren't you mad and i'm just you know maybe it's easy to say i'm not mad because shit kind of worked out for me um in life and stuff but I get frustrations, but I just don't like, like, God, it's, it, it would seem like it would get so tiring being that fucking angry and disappointed and like, just focus on the shit that makes you happy and focus on the shit you do like. And if you don't like something, consider, you know, does the world need to know you don't like it? You know, I know people are like, I paid my money. I get to say what I want. Sure. Absolutely. But the question is, how do we not go negative? And, uh, you know, maybe it's just not called for. Not everybody needs to know every fucking single thought they have. Says the guy who's like, did comicbook.com write about me this week? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the only way I know I'm still relevant or not. That's, that's me. I, from That's how I do it. I just don't generally talk about it. There's a time early in my career where I fucking let you know all the shit I didn't like. And I, I don't like that. Like, I look back at those moments where I'm like, what a fucking little dick young kevin smith was shitting in the mouth of stuff that like now old kevin smith knows how fucking hard it was to make those things and just because they weren't my cup of tea don't mean i gotta jump online and be like oh fucking they ruined everything like there's plenty of good things to talk about Just focus on that um yeah i mean i i one of my jobs my many jobs before i made tv was i was a critic I was a critic for Entertainment Weekly. I would I would have to write reviews of things, usually movies, and they were usually a hundred words long. And like, I found that the venom slips easier than the praise. It is incredibly easy, and it's it's a dopamine hit to come up with a two hundred word slam of a thing, and it's simple to do. Um, you know, it's easier to destroy than it is to create. 
And the challenge was always defending a thing that you loved more than it was slamming a thing that you hated. Because hate is just, it's shitty, it's awful. Here's the two ways that it's awful. But telling somebody that you like a thing becomes a bit of, you know, evangelism. It becomes advocacy. Um, and that is both harder and more rewarding when you can say that you love a thing and, and exhort other people to love it as well. Um, and I, I think when I started professionally writing TV, one of the first things I learned about being in a writer's room was don't bitch, pitch. Like if you've got a problem with something that the room is coming up with, it's super easy to say, oh, that doesn't fucking work. Oh, that's awful. Oh, that's whatever. Don't say anything unless you can pitch a solution to that. You can pitch an alt. You can pitch a, a different way of getting at the same problem. Pitch a thing. Um, and so that that is how I come to things that, that I'm not as satisfied with as I could be. Is that it's easy to say, oh, that was awful. I hate it. It's garbage. But instead, you're like, well, okay, I, I didn't like it. Here's why. And if I had to pitch a solution for the, the reasons why I didn't like it, here's how. You know, it's how I learned to write which is is sort of reverse engineering things and figuring out what worked or didn't work and how do you replicate it and that's that is my expression of distaste and hopefully it never comes across as venom or hatred or um you know just just anger that it comes across as like let's use this as a learning tool it's an opportunity for us to figure out how stories work and not Every story works the same way. Lots of different stories have lots of different aims, except that always um, character investment is what we're looking for. Like, how do you make people care about the story they're watching? And if you can, great. If you don't, then there's a problem afoot that you can then try and diagnose. Um, it's it's like a medical journal. Like, we're trying to diagnose problems. There's, there's a dozen different ways a problem can manifest and a hundred different solutions. Um, let's find some. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really take much relish in the, in the hatred side of the internet. I don't really like watching it. I don't like doing it unless it's Iron Fist, in which case I will tell you, I hate this fucking thing with a passion. Um, but also how, okay, how could this have been better? You know, what, what are a couple of different paths to a version of this thing that might've worked? I think that it's only helpful when you're trying to, to, to become better at the work. Otherwise, it is just, it's hatred for hatred's sake. And that way lies madness. Um, what about you, Beth, man? I, um, I don't, uh, thankfully, get critiqued online too much. I get uh, most of the hate I've gotten for the audio and things on this show has died down. Uh, but uh, I do see this a lot in, like, Yelp reviews, you know, like, uh, I had somebody come in and be like, uh, says Cantina on the front door, but they don't have Mezcal here. Uh, one star. And it's like, okay, like, if you actually read the review, it's like, whatever. But that one star keeps lowering us on Yelp and makes us less searchable. And, um, and so after opening the bar, I found that I want to crap on people like I don't ever read reviews on restaurants and things um because I'm always like I know how much effort I put into scum and villainy and how much we care um so like am I gonna go to like the guy down the street and and shit on him because like 
the server I had's girlfriend broke up with him earlier that day um, and he was having a bad night. Um, so when I have to talk about something that I despise, uh, I will say something like, um, you know, the scene where R2-D2 and Luke are talking in the Millennium Falcon and R2-D2 plays the hologram of Princess Leia. Uh, I really love that scene because like, while yes, it was pure fan service, it also evoked an emotion in the, in me as a fan. And it's the same emotion that it would have invoked in Luke. And it brought me closer to my hero. And then that, and then I don't have to say my real thoughts on the last Jedi, you know, (laughs) Uh, you know, so I try to find like two things that I really enjoyed about the thing that I didn't like, because there's always something like you don't like Iron Fist, but like, remember the time that jessica jones showed up on the show or whatever that was cool right um <laughs> like I, I hate book of boba fett but that the minute when it turns into the mandalorian again that's kind of cool yeah so it's just like <laughs> oh my god episode five was some of the best boba fett i've ever seen he wasn't in that episode yeah mm-hmm. but when they fought with the dark saber <laughs> and the mandalorian cut all those people up at the beginning of episode five wasn't that great um so you just kind of talk around the parts you don't like uh because there's always something right there's always always something something in everything that's that's you can say something nice about the lighting was great Mm -hmm. jason muse one of my favorite things about jason muse is was has always been that he finds the good in everything the dude's never you know read a bad comic book like back in the day, we'd be like, oh, man, we'd give him like books that we didn't want. We'd give him like your run of Sonic Disruptors from Marvel and shit. <laughs> like take these and then he'd read them and you'd be like, what'd you think? Waiting for him to be like, this sucks. And he was just like, oh, that was awesome. And you're like, why? And he's like, oh, it was in color. Like <laughs> crazy low and still is so charming. Like he's never... A person that's like, oh, Disney's lost its way or fucking what happened to Marvel and shit. He's just like, what? Fucking superheroes? I can't believe they make them in movies. I didn't have them growing up. Like, <laughs> um, And that's I, I like to take a page out of his book. Like, I just can't get into fucking, you know, dissertations about how something could have been better and shit. Like, that's my job. Yeah, I'm the one that's like, I'm, I, you know, like, oh my god, that shit was in color. Like, (laughs) they used all four colors on that comic book. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Um, what do we got? Uh, all right, last one. Um, Jeff Becker wants to know what scene did you always want in a movie that you never got? Uh, and then he says, I always wanted the three to five minute vignette of Bruce Wayne training with all of his teachers to become Batman. Oh, so like, you know, Descartes and and Zatara, Zatara and everybody mm-hmm. then. Ra's al Ghul. And- yeah. Um, sure. What scene do we never get? You know, I've seen a lot of Batman and you never see his parents die. Um, 
they call it Crime Alley. I've only ever seen one crime in it. Where's the rest <laughs> of the crime? <laughs> Why not Murder Alley? Makes a lot more sense. <laughs> that one time two people got shot, Alley. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do I like that I've not seen them do? Hmm. You know, I, I mean, like, it, I, I, I love when they let them detect. And we've seen them do more of that as the movies have gone on in terms of a bat of Batman. I'm, I'm trying to think like, cause generally in order to answer this question, it would be like you're matching source material versus when it's brought to another medium. Am I correct? Yeah, you know, just, I guess, but it could be, you know, like what happens after Smokey and the bandit and frog drive off after they deliver the cores, you know, yeah, I want to see some fucking in that Trans Am. That's what I assume. They're going to earn that turkey. I was eight when I saw it, but I assume they were all fucking. <laughs> like, is uh, there a part of the story that you, you know, it's it's like that bit that we were talking about Rogue One. Like, when I was like, you know, oh, shit, maybe Chin Urso is the pilot in the, in the fucking TIE fighter that knocks into vader and sends him off his axis like there's that version of it that's fucking great mm. not what we saw not what they did but you know i still i still like to imagine that that's a part of that movie even though it isn't um how about uh i you know what i would take a movie about the missing 18 years in jesus's life Right, like they track him up till twelve, and then they pick him up when he's thirty. Seems like you skip the best part. I don't know. It's like, what am I doing with all this hair on my body? Fucking exactly. <laughs> fucking you know, urges. Fucking all teens. All, the entire John Hughes catalog they missed. <laughs> they could totally do, you know, the Jesus Diaries. Jesus Christ Day Off. Yeah. Just fucking. <laughs> show all those years what went on in those missing years um that and let me see um something that i've loved that they've turned into something else but i've like oh but they left this out hmm i would have i don't know if this quite answers the question but how cool and like i've seen the deleted footage i just mean how cool would the Wampa attack on Echo Base have been if they had been able to execute it? Like that scene, like everybody's like, I love Empire, it's so dark. But like dropping a three to five minute monster movie at the beginning, right before the Empire attacks on Hoth, like how cool would that have been? I feel like we all would enjoy that. That's truth. Yeah. I mean, there's there's also that bit that somebody put in a comic book. Either a comic book was just somebody threw it together as a page and put it up on the internet. But it's of Darth Vader in Cloud City going to where all of, like, C-3PO's pieces are after he gets, like, sort of scattered apart by the, the fucking creatures in there. Like, and that bit where he picks up the head and looks at it, and it's Darth Vader remembering that he fucking built C-3PO, and, like, he had been his constant companion throughout most of his life, and now he's in pieces, and he's the one who asks the the fucking Ugnaughts or whatever to put him back together again. 
you know, like that bit of a boy still remembering the pieces of his childhood that he thought was dead sparked by just like, this is mine. Like, how did it come back to me? Like, never thought that would happen in a million years, but he's here again. Is anybody seeing this? I built this droid. <laughs> Son of a, I, I did this. When I worked for Watto. Like, that's how long ago we're going. Do you know who Watto is? That's how I long was ago. a slave, you guys. <laughs> yeah, and I built this droid and now he's here again? This is this is no coincidence. This is I built this yeah. in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we're gonna do that, if we're gonna look at Star Wars things that never happened. I, of course, would love to see the dinner on Cloud City. Oh, yeah. You know, once the doors open and fucking Han Solo does one of the coolest fucking things in cinema history, sees Darth Vader, and his first instinct is to fucking shoot him dead. <laughs> like, you know, he's like fucking, his buddy's like, oh, we just made a deal. He's going to keep the Empire out of this place forever. And It's essentially like saying, oh, we just made a deal to keep you know, the fucking Nazis out of here forever. And then the door opens and they're like, it's Hitler. His first instinct is to fucking shoot him, to, to gun him down. And were it not for the fact that, you know, Vader's got the magic and shit, where he's like, it would have been like that, that. The movies end right there. They're like, holy shit. The smuggler shot fucking space Hitler. Isn't that nuts? Like these movies are done. It's crazy, but he don't do it. <laughs> And then it's Lando like, I didn't know he was there. Then, but then they also have to have dinner together. Like, the whole time, fucking Darth Vader's like, you tried to shoot me. Like, don't make small talk. You literally pulled a gun out and tried to shoot me. Were I not magic, I would have been shot. And you, I'm pretty sure you're my daughter. <laughs> He's like, no, you should eat. You're going to be frozen for a very long time. Please, eat up, eat up. Don't wait for I, me. Well, I, I don't mean to take, make this night all about me, but I found a droid that I built when I was a kid <laughs> <laughs> in the garbage room. Like, what's going on, man? Um, I'm pretty sure that I told you this story, but, like, I had gotten approached by an editor at, uh, I guess it's Tor or maybe it's Random House or whatever it was, but the people who published the Star Wars from a Certain Point of View books. And each of them was like an anthology about, like, pick a scene that we never saw like one side of or or just an idea of a thing that could have been in a movie that never was and so i pitched them the dinner scene but from the perspective of the chef like that fucking lando has gotten the best of the best and he hired a chef who's about to serve her most important dinner she's ever going to serve the fucking sith lord of the galaxy is here i've got to plan a dinner service for this motherfucker and it's her entire, like, this is the meal she's wanted. She's the bear, right? Like, I'm about to serve the meal th that'll define this restaurant. And all she hears, like, she's got her, her staff working, her CDC is working, the guy who makes sauces is working, she's got a menu planned, and, all right, they're here, and she hears a laser blast, but they sit down and start eating, and so they, or they bring food out that nobody touches because the princess lady's angry, the fucking handsome guy is happy, Darth Vader can't eat anything, and I plan the goddamn menu for him. He never takes the helmet off, and it's all from her perspective. And the end of the story is Vader comes back to the kitchen to pay his respects to the chef because the last thing she makes is a very humble dessert that she learned to cook when she was a fucking gutter rat on Coruscant 
that's just like bread pudding, like basic, like fucking butter and and milk and and bread. And he has his ratatouille moment where he's like, he has his ratatouille moment. It's the here's what I used to eat when I was a fucking young Jedi, banging around Coruscant, learning shit. Like this is what made me feel at home, and I can smell it, but I can't taste it. And you've you've reminded me of the person that I thought I was going to be, oh. and I'm not. So my compliments to the chef. And I wrote this story, and like sent it in, and they're like, "Well, we you know we have another story set in the kitchen." I was like, "You should not have greenlit me to write this story." He's like, "Well, you can change almost all of it, and we can run it." And I was like, "No, I'm good. I think I like this version of it." And I just still fucking have it on a hard drive of like the most important, the biggest dinner ever on Cloud City um, about that. Because like they sit back down after Han Solo. That's always been the fucking thing that like captures my imagination is the doors close and it's like they actually have a meal. Because like as a kid, I was like, does he take his helmet off? (laughs) That would would creep everyone out even worse. (laughs) I can't keep it in. Shit. Spilling and whatnot, they're like it's a messy eater. Got a feeding um, tube. I, I think I've so said I, this on the show before. But what? Uh, so Han Solo's going down into carbonite, right? And yeah. uh, and Chewbacca goes nuts, screaming, yelling, and uh, Boba Fett goes to shoot Chewbacca, and Vader knocks his gun down. Why? 3PO's on Chewbacca's back. Mm. Now, obviously... That's my droid that I built. Don't shoot that. Yeah. I should... Remember my droid? <laughs> I told you about it at dinner. Fuck. <laughs> um, I like that. I think um, there's also, for with the dinner, like, you know, f- f- there could be somebody who's just like, here's your chance to fucking kill, like, everything that's wrong with the galaxy. Like, you're making this food? Fucking poison it! And she's like, oh, I can't do that because, you know, or he, whatever the fuck. I take pride in my chefing or whatever the fuck. And they're like, no! <laughs> this is our chance! And they make a fuck against that first chef's will. They fucking get some poison food in there, but, like... Vader don't eat. <laughs> and it's like, fucking, you know, they most of the leftovers go to the Ugnots, and some poor Ugnot fucking bites it. I gotta put this story online. Like I fucking wrote it. I you should. I, I wonder. We should like produce it as like a smotimation or something. It could totally be a cartoon, right? Let's fucking do it. As long as we don't sell it, it can be anything. Let's fucking do it. We know some talented people. We the, know some folks who do some shit. Uh, the other fun one would be. Um, the 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 humans that went to Endor before the rebels that the Ewoks ate, because you know they didn't. Han wasn't their first trip down the barbecue path, right? So like, who was like, we're go like, uh, you know, like Ewoks, the battle for Endor, like the prequel, except like the Ewoks eat them. They sent Biggs Darklighter there on a mission. <laughs> and he got eaten. Yeah. They sent Porkins. Don't send Porkins. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Don't feed them for years. <laughs> You're too yummy, Porkins. Um, did we do them all? 
That's yeah. two questions. Look at that shit. Is that it? Is that the end of the show? That's a show if we want it to be. Yeah. Or we can just fucking hang out. As we want to do. <laughs> we can. Um, fuck, man. Like, we just ran out of fucking show. You got no news? I've said all the things that I've seen. I guess so. Anybody in chat, did we miss anything? Was there a trailer that we didn't talk about? Um, Is there any super chats we missed? Yeah, I don't see anybody offering up any fucking... Somebody super chatted earlier. Do you guys know the punk band Propagandi? I guess there's a punk band. I sure would like to. Named Propagandi. And some guy did a super... He said it like four times and he did a super chat. He said, you look just like... JC looks... Or Banff Man looks just like the singer from Propagandi. So I pulled some photos. Do you want to say yes or no? Do you think I look like... You guys have seen me in real life, too. So I guess it's just this flat 2D version of me. Look like uh, this guy. The middle guy in the white. Or this... I don't have pecs like that, but go back to your shirt off. Do you think I look like that? I don't see yeah, it, it could too much. Be, could be his brother. I don't see it too much. That's a little closer. It, yeah, I see. It could be related. Yeah. <laughs> um, in chat, they're saying William Anderson says Nicholas Holt is Lex Luthor. Yes, we didn't discuss that. Apparently, Nicholas Holt. Uh, the Beast has been hired to play Lex Luthor, who yeah. at one point we were told he was auditioning for Superman as well. Mm-hmm. He's our new Lex Luthor. Yay. He was also watch um, Righteous Gemstones. Do you see, have you ever seen that show? No, but I know that, I don't know him personally, but I like that kid they hired as Jimmy Olsen. He was yeah. in the- um, Oh, was he? He-, oh, he was excellent in Booksmart. Um, so yeah, I, I'm all for that kid. He's fucking talented. Oh yeah, the Madam Web trailer. Have you seen? Oh heavens, yes. Where Ooh. she's like, um, it's Morbin time. Yeah, <laughs> like is uh, a guy that used to work with my mom before she died when she was studying spiders and spiders <laughs> before she died. It's like an incredible line. That's like wow, sell that, and she made it work. Well, almost. <laughs> um. Yeah, but but uh, I still I'm not quite sure what's going on with that movie. No, to see the other spider costumes, but it looks like they play for like two seconds in the movie. I think we saw all of the costume. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see what else people are talking about. Did we talk about Godzilla? Well, we talked about the monarch, monarch, uh, Invincible. We haven't seen it yet. We're getting to it. Yeah, haven't seen the killer yet. I need to make some time for that. The killer, the the um, oh yeah, what's his face? Um, Fincher, yeah, um, Fastbender. Final Tap sequel. We talked about that a little bit. Um, Jonathan Ramirez five seventy four says, "Make Vader kill the chef, though, for reminding him of the person that he should be and how far he's drifted from the boy he was." Yeah. He's taking your story and running with it. Nice try. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I'm checking chat to see if there's anything we missed talking about. 
Dream Scenario was the name of the Nick Cage movie. Dream Scenario? Mm-hmm. Kid loved it. Did you, um, Mark, did you see the meme that people were sharing where it was like, uh, I guess Chris Pine said something about like, yeah, I, I think we'll probably do another Dungeons and Dragons movie. And somebody yeah. took that and ran with it. And they were like, please make a Dungeons and Dragons movie like every 18 months, but do it like the Fast and the Furious. So every movie, it's like a and d campaign that keeps going where like they level up and they level up and they level up until the 10th movie. They're essentially gods and they can do whatever <laughs> they want, just like in Fast and the Furious. No, I, thought that was, that. I think I that'd be awesome. Fuck out of there. It's like, I'm a level three bard, but when I'm a level 10 bard, <laughs> yeah. my charisma's off the fucking chain and I can summon angels with my harpsichord. Hell yeah. Uh, Kabuki Kid asked, did we talk about bodies yet? Yeah, last week. And Mark mm -hmm. talked a little bit about it this week because he's catching up. And what'd you mm -hmm. say about it? You were like, yeah. Yeah, like I dig it. Like the 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 core conceit is strong. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to know where it goes. Um, Tyler Hall wants to know uh, what happened to my big TV, big ass TV during the move. Um, it's still here. It moved and then it moved back. It's upstairs. We took it from our bedroom though, put it in the living room. And now I have to get a, um, what is it when you don't plug in to the normal, but you need a fucking different plug. Cause it's like this, we need more power. <laughs> oh, you have like a, it's like a 240 volt or 220 volt or something. Our own electrical output. That's not up there. So we're waiting to have that put in. Um, well, I, I think that's it, man. I think I'm looking into the chat and seeing if we missed it. Can I tell you, Zach Fields, listen, if I can say anything about the Mace Windu stuff coming soon. I'm just, I've seen pencils for three of the four issues. I've seen colors and letters for the first issue. And that looks great. It was so much fun to do. Um, you know, maybe there's more Star Wars in my future. Maybe there isn't. I can't say, but... Come late January, early February, you can see issue one of uh, Star Wars Mace Windu. Huzzah. That's your book. That's the book, baby. Um, Mark fucking working for for the for the actual Empire, man. Working I know. Star Wars, getting a check to work on Star Wars stuff. Most of us work on Star Wars stuff for free, just talking about it and shit. Keeping Star Wars <laughs> alive. Mark's keeping Star Wars alive and they give him money for it. Yeah. Thoughts on Wonka? Haven't seen it yet, but today the review embargo, I think, seemed to lift. And uh, and all of everything that I've heard is like, it's delightful. Like, Chalamet is great, and the movie's super fun and light and energetic, and the songs are good, and it's funny. I'm still having trouble wrapping my head around a Willy Wonka that doesn't actively want to see children die, which is the Gene Wilder version. When he grew up. When he grew up, he was like, you know what? I've done it all and I've seen it all. Now I just want to see kids die because that'd be fucked up. He's like, sometimes I just cut myself to make to see if I could feel anymore. Yeah. Like what happens between Wonka and Willy Wonka <clears throat> in the chocolate factory? Like when did the children hurt him? The boy's like, oh, no, stop, please. You make candy for kids for like fucking 50 years. You get to a place where you're like, fuck everybody. Ungrateful bastards. Fuck them kids, as the internet says. Um, let's see. 
I think we've got, yeah, nobody's going, you didn't talk about this. You didn't talk about that. So I guess we, we've hit everything. We've done it. Did you guys see, did you guys what? see, uh, I have not seen it. I was sent an early cut and uh, I did not get a chance to see it. You are in it. Um, the disturbance in of uh, disturbance in the force, the documentary no, on the trailer, holiday special. I saw a lot of the park. Like, like yeah. a lot of interviews were shot right at uh, at Scum and Villainy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we shot uh, Bonnie Burton, former Lucasfilm employee there, and Seth Green, and uh, nice a couple other guys. Can't um, wait to see. It's about the Star Wars Christmas special. Yeah, it was <laughs> done by. Um, yeah, the guy who did Napoleon Dynamite and um, uh, Kyle Newman, who did Fanboys, worked on it, and uh, Goldberg. It's supposed to be great. Can't wait to see it. They showed me when they were filming, he brought in like an original script and original storyboards and stuff that he had collected. It was pretty cool. In uh, chat, um, off-axis says, I've been an extra on The Flash in Vancouver, British Columbia when you brought us all food. That was a happy memory. That reminded me. I used to go out and buy food and fucking give out hamburgers. I do love that story. Good times. Um, well, there it is, kids. I'm, I'm looking for anything we might have missed, but we pretty much seems like we hit everything. We did. We did. Somebody asked oh, him. Agatha check. Harkness, the Dark Hold teaser trailer. Uh, I guess WandaVision's coming out on Blu ray. Yeah. I think we talked about that, that they're starting to, like starting WandaVision to and Loki season one and Falcon Winter Soldier. I Agatha think. trailer or a little behind the scenes making of thing that shows, mm -hmm. you know, what her new show looks a little bit like. And I guess you see. Aubrey Plaza for the mm. first time, whoever she's playing. Um, somebody asked in chat if I've seen, if I've heard about the new Jeffrey Wright movie, American Fiction. What's that? Um, it's a, it's a, the directorial debut of Cord Jefferson, who won an Emmy for writing the black and white nostalgia episode of Watchmen. Um, he wrote and directed a movie starring Jeffrey Wright as a black author struggling with uh sort of identity and class and is he black enough to be a black author is he not black enough to be in that space like it's it's an interesting movie i saw it uh, about a month ago um it won like the audience award in toronto and it's been playing festivals and cleaning up and there's oscar talk for jeffrey wright and um it's it's a really interesting movie very well done um super funny sterling k brown is in it um um Issa Rae is in it. Yeah. No, I, I dug it very much. If it comes to a town near you, you should see it. It's very it's very engaging um, and interesting. And I'm sure you'll get a screener because it's it's that kind of movie. In chat, John Francois says, thoughts on Chris Evans' Avengers comments. What did he say? He said something to the effect of um, he, he doesn't love being in those movies. He's like, listen, I loved playing, you know, Steve Rogers. Um, it did, you know, wonders for me, but like you show up on set, you might do two pages of dialogue for eight hours of being on set and there's a thousand angles and 
He's like this pain hustlers movie or whatever that he did for Netflix. It's like, yeah, we're doing nine pages of dialogue a day. Like you're moving. It feels like you're making a thing. It's a, it's a real character that you can dig into. And every day of work, you feel like you, you work today. He's like, there's a version of my career. He's like that. I've made these smaller, interesting movies that nobody's seen. Like in the interviewer talked about Sunshine, the Danny Boyle's, you know, science fiction movie. He's like, I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies ever made. Nobody's seen it. There's a version of my career where people saw that and blew up and they cast me as a character actor, as a you know, a person who gets to kind of dig into stuff. He's like, but I'm Steve Rogers and that's fine. Like it's made my life incredibly livable and I love the effect of that character on the world and I enjoy those movies quite a bit. But as a creative endeavor from his chair, it's like it's not that fulfilling for me. It's like, and you know, I get it. I 100% get it. Like he doesn't relish it. Um, in a way that he relishes just, I'm going to do this fucking tiny thing. I'm going to do Snowpiercer. Uh, he was so good in that. Um, Galactic J says, hey, Kev, uh, when is your new film dropping, Kevin? Not till the fall, the 430 movie. Hmm. But uh, next week, we're actually doing a pickup uh, shot for the movie that we couldn't do back in Jersey when we made the movie. We had to be out here for it. So uh, we're, we're doing a, a thing. So... <laughs> Um, and I, yeah, and there's, it's, uh, there's, it's so early. This movie don't come out till the fall. So everyone's begging me to keep my mouth shut, um, on the production side. They're like, don't start. We're too far out and shit like that. Okay. But some cool things are happening to the movie right now. I like cool things are afoot. Yeah. JC's seen it. JC has to work. He's forced to work on it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> When we're done here, he'll be doing something. Yeah. With the right. As soon as this show ends, I'm doing things. Um, John Francois in chat wants to know why was Splinter not accepted at San Diego Comic-Con? Um, we didn't enter the San Diego Comic-Con Film Festival. Um, instead, we opted to do a panel where we screened it and had a Q&A. So, like, on the one hand, sure, it wasn't accepted there. On the other hand, they accepted us and gave us a panel. So, um Hey, win-win. Um, somebody asked me if I was doing uh, THR award season stuff this year. I'm not. Uh, if you want to know more, you can come to Scum and Villainy and I'll tell you in person. That's how you stay positive. <laughs> Buy me a beer. <laughs> Buy yourself a beer and I will yeah. tell you the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wild Samurai says he's wanted out since Winter Soldier. Uh, talking about Chris Evans. You ain't kidding, man. When I was on fucking the Tonight Show couch with him, I was like, oh, man, you're getting ready to make the second one. Like, are you excited? He's like, no. <laughs> he was not he was not big into it. But at that point, he was talking about, like, they might let me, they might let me direct one day. So he was like, I'll keep with it. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's, it's the version of the Brubaker story. Like, if you do those movies, then it unlocks to a certain degree, latitude on the other side of it. Like you're fucking Captain America. You've made the money. You're beloved by an audience. And now you can hopefully bring that audience to the other shit that you want to do. Um, he just now needs to choose the things that excite him. And hopefully he does. You know, it's it's Daniel Radcliffe. Like his first movie's out. We're fucking Harry Potter. He can do anything. Mm. And he is. He's like, I'm going to be a fucking corpse in this weird-ass Swiss Army Man movie. I'm going to be Weird Al. I'm going to do 
this horns thing with Joe Hill. Like he's he's making really interesting choices because he can. Or Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, I can do whatever I want. It's the Pattinson thing. I'm a I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want because I made nine Twilight movies for you. Joe Hill is that Stephen King's kid? Mm-hmm. I just found out recently that he was the boy in Creepshow. Is he? The one I didn't who, know that. Who's using the fucking voodoo doll and his dad putting the pins in his his dad. His dad's like, that's what God made fathers, babe. <laughs> that's, that's Joe Hill. Wow. I mean, I, I heard, I think I watched that on a um, Joe Blow video. Or what mm. the fuck? This movie video. But I was like, what? How did that's I not cool. know He's a good little actor back in the day. Good for you, Joe Hill. Yeah. Um, what else we got? I guess that's it. I think that's it. You got any cons left for the rest of the year? Or are you done? I got. Are you going to LA Comic Con next week? I'm not. I'll be in. I'll be in San Francisco that, that weekend. I'm going to be there on Sunday. I'm doing a panel. Um, with uh, what is it? The I think it's. Hold on. Let me look it up real quick. Sunday, 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 Sunday. The American Cancer Society at LACC. So I'm going to be hosting a panel. About, I believe, I, I don't quote me, but I think uh, some survivors who mm. take it to the comic book medium. Um, so that'll be, that'll be my uh, LA Comic Con. That's coming up. Uh, I don't think I have any appearances until 2024. Um, do I? No, we had to cancel everything for Smodcastle and stuff. Yeah, January comes roaring back to life with lots of activities and stuff. Gotcha. Excellent. Uh, shit. I guess that's it, man. I think that's the show. How's Jen doing? Asked Henshin Rider. I talked about her earlier in the show. She's doing well. Doctor says like her x-ray looks great and um, her wound looks amazing. You know, Jennifer today was like, I measured the scar. I was like, how big is it? She's like eight inches. I was like, well, you can replace your hip. I mean, they got to get in there. I know. Don't tell David Cronenberg, though. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> can I take a picture of it? Yeah, exactly. I'm going to write a whole movie about this. Yeah, we're going to start fucking your scar. Tom Giuseppe points out 30th anniversary of Clerks pretty soon. Yes, 2024 is the full year-long anniversary of Clerks. 30 years of Clerks. Um, January marks the 30th anniversary of us going to Sundance and the movie getting picked up. And uh, October uh, will mark the 30th anniversary since it came out in theaters and stuff. So all throughout 2024, you'll be hearing about that. And you'll also be hearing about if it's the 30th anniversary of Clerks, why? Then it must also be 30 years of Jay and Silent Bob. So you'll be hearing a lot more about that from me because, <laughs> kids, I don't own Clerks. Um, somebody else <laughs> Paramount at this point. But me and Jay sure as fuck own Jay and Silent Bob. So if we're going to celebrate anything, it's going to be the thing that it's ours. I feel like that's uh somebody should write the story of that deal, carving out Jay and Silent Bob for you. That's a good one. As I've told that story many times. Um, oh kids. 
please bring back super chat next time what do you mean bring it back did we not is it not open or something it, it was on it? it was on for the first half and then who turned it off i had will turn it off because it was driving me nuts do you want to leave it on i just had curiosity why uh it, it the six people who love super chat and then there's like a thousand people who are like i hate this it derails the show and makes things impossible is it anything different than answering questions like what we've just been doing for the last few minutes looking at chat uh, i not really but a lot of people in chat hate it uh plastic historically chat. jane silent bob is a special place in my heart wrap up the show guys <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Sorry. I got you. I got you with some sugar. Now here's some spice. <laughs> um, well, there it is, kids. Did you have a good time? Fuck yeah, you did. And if you did, you got to thank uh, Banff Man for bringing us right into your homes. Ooh. Mm -hmm. um, and if uh, you like this show at all, well, it ain't because of me, because I just like everything and whatnot. It's the discerning writer um, who had the. Uh, Quote of the day. What is it? Pitch. Don't bitch. Or don't bitch. Pitch. Either way works. Remember, kids, don't bitch. Pitch. You there know, you it, it, it's so easy to point out a hole. Hey, there's a fucking hole. You know what's even better? Fill that fucking hole. Don't bother anybody. <laughs> Just go um, back to your hole. Back to your fucking hole. Um, give it up for Mr. Mark Bernard, and ladies and gentlemen. 52 years young today. Indeed. I got 90 minutes and then I then I turn the clock and I become an old person. Like AARP is already on my fucking doorstep. Like you were 90 joking. minutes. You better wake up your lady, man. It's the last time she could fuck a 51 year old and shit. Not with this back, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, it's like fucking a 60 year old because of the fucking back. <laughs> could He's you like, be less vigorous? He's like, I don't know what happened. I married a young man. I don't know what the fuck happened. <laughs> Who broke him? Um, Chad is lighting up with happy birthday, Mark. Right. Yes, thank you, everybody. So happy. sweet. Uh, I wish we could have been in person and we all could have been drunk. Um, but alas. January. We'll be back in the bar. There's always January. Back in the bar. And we'll be back on a cruise where the booze flows. February, kids. If you haven't signed up yet for Jane Son Bob's Cruise Askew, what are you waiting for? Good times. You're gonna mm -hmm. watch Splinter on the boat. We're gonna do oh, Fat yeah. Beyond on the boat. We're gonna do so many things. It's gonna be good times. You're doing a live reading of a thing on the boat, right? I read Mall Rats too, the script with Jason Lee and Ethan Splee right there, and Jason yeah. and others. You can I be in it? Yeah, hell yeah, we're gonna have you read. I mean, I'm on the boat. If you're not programmed <laughs> opposite us with some fucking panel and stuff. There's so many activities that, like, you know, and also they don't have, like, there's 3,000 people on the cruise when we set sail, but they don't have a 3,000-seat theater, so it's like you have to break up all the shows and whatnot, so mm. they might program us against each other. <gasps> Mailed. And then, it's sheet. It's total sheet. Joshua Mundahl says, will Jen be able to make the cruise? I think so. I think so. so I mean, you can wheel her on, right? If you have to, she can just lounge by the, the Lido deck. 
Flying Ace Production says, North America is shit poor, Kev. That's what we're waiting for. Oh, believe me, you don't have to go on this cruise, kids. Um, <laughs> I would like it when, of course, but I, you know, this is not mandatory by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I know money's weird right now. So, yeah, believe me, if you can't go, don't sweat it. You're not being, can't be peer pressured onto a boat. <laughs> if you can be it's not going to be by me but if you've got some spare cash and you're like i always wanted to be on a boat with that fucking has been silent bill well then fucking here's your opportunity <laughs> going from miami to the bahamas and then back again a three-day tour a three-day tour um well there it is my friend, gathered, we talked about all the things that matter. And now, go enjoy your week. Have a good one. Yeah, fuck. Be nice to somebody. You heard him. That's all he wants for his birthday. Fuck. That's it. Be nice to somebody. There it is. Cheapest gift you can get, Mark Bernard. Yep. Be nice to somebody you don't have to be nice to. Oh, well, now you're adding shit. <laughs> it's like I was nice to my kid so fuck you I'm serious, be nice to my wife and be like I honored Mark for his birthday <laughs> I'm legally like, bound however I'm going to be nice to some fucking person I don't necessarily do <laughs> good thing I like everybody <laughs> wild samurai says Peter Jackson wants us to wrap it up <laughs> we're not even at oppenheimer time yet kids no we haven't have we cracked three hours not quite uh yeah we're at we're at 315 315 all right it's all over you potato heads um there it is my friends that we'll be back again we'll do it again before the end of the year we will right yeah it's only november yeah, yeah. see no reason not to probably twice um, but until the next time, kids, that is Fat Man Beyond uh, for this week. Um, I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Mark Bernard. Tune in. Same fat time. Same fat channel. Spotcast.com or YouTube.com slash Kevin Smith. Jeff's kiss, everybody. Happy birthday, Mark. Thank you, Kev. Good night, everybody. This has been a Smodco Internet Production. Sip only at smodcast.com. <laughs>